Mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two. Let's get it. Yo, this is about to really hurt some people's feelings. So if you a little sensitive, you might as well turn this joint off right now. Okay. How you afraid to drop a dime when you already dropped a dime? Got a wife at home, but you steady on my line. Talking about shorty, you remember when I grind slow? Did I really, did I really blow your mind though? Nah, you got me confused with your other booze. I've been peeping game, so I never gave a cookie up. And that's why I got your wife on the line, man. And I hope she gets every single diamond ring. Niggas kill me, they put their fist. Hello, hello, hello on this wonderful Saturday evening oh yeah evening not afternoon evening. well it's sunday morning for me early in the morning <laughs> on sunday oh shit, my camera are you telling my camera cricket i don't see half my body because your whole body ain't gonna fit anyway oh all right you might want to shut your mouth now shut your mouth <laughs> watch your mouth Saying what it is Watch your mouth. Nobody you being grown because we got company. <laughs> no, technically no. It's starting off like this a lot lately. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, thank y'all for tuning in. We greatly appreciate y'all as always. And we always come through to provide y'all a quality podcast episode. So I'm actually excited about today. So, of course, I have the most humble and trusty co-host dw with me tonight i appreciate that you said i'm humble yeah hey well my elbow actually okay i'm just saying all right that that was just for the show though i I had checked see my elbow actually i'm just raising my arm all really nearly you got a gallon of shea butter at your house how are you ashley because since you want to put my business out there, I literally just got out the shower before I ate breakfast. So I didn't have time to oil myself up, oil myself up. But best believe <laughs> Okay. Go check it out. Y'all can see it. Is you really advertising? Oh no, I'm just saying. Look, chromed out elbow, baby, chromed out. All right, all right, let's go to the show. Oh my God. Let's get to the show. All right. Every every time, every time, Lord. So, you know what? So I'm excited tonight because tonight we have a guest. And she is awesome and phenomenal. We have a black, and I wish I will explain later why we say black <laughs> speech language pathologist with us tonight. And we have Kenya B with us tonight. Yes. I, yes. Hands. Yeah, yes, BW. What is a speech language pathologist? <laughs> I knew he was gonna go there. I, I knew that's where he was going. I should have. I should be drinking something strong tonight. Instead, I'm drinking some damn cranberry 
I'm just, I'm asking for the, I'm, I know what it is. I just want the people out there to. We, we was gonna go there. I promise we was. We yeah, was. I already know what it is. Yeah. It's okay if I answer it now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> um, so speech language pathologists, we can actually work in a couple different settings. Um, to keep it like, we work from basically anybody from like birth. To like the geriatric population, we work from everything from like cognitive deficits, so people who have like um, intellectual deficits, all the way down to people who have issues with like swallowing. A lot of people don't know, like we have a really big scope of practice to find a speech pathologist in the school system, which is the most popular place where most people um, where most people will see us at but also in the hospitals. So like when people get in like car accidents, if they have strokes, um, any kind of like brain injuries, they often have to go, even like COVID, they they uh, they often are treated with speech also because they lose things like once your brain, like once you have like a like a lesion on your brain or something like that, it, it can make finding words difficult. It can make your memory difficult. It can make it just difficult to overall communicate. And also it can, like I said, we also work with swallowing. So it's, it's a very large scope of practice. And we also work in nursing homes, rehab facilities. And I know there are some who also like work in like the, um, the justice system also. So like prisons as well. So, but that's, it's pretty small. But most of the time, most people see us in hospitals, nursing homes and the schools. Awesome. So what do you do? Like, <laughs> it depends. Like it depends on in each one. Like in the school system, because I work in a school system. I work in a school system, and I also work in a private practice. In the school system, I'm mainly working with um, articulation, so children who can't pronounce words um, intelligibly or have like intel like their their conversations. It's basically helping them to be better understood with their communicate. I mean, their articulation but also when they're sitting in classrooms and if they have um, language, there's two parts of language. So there's receptive, which you can understand. So things like following directions and just understanding information that's coming to you. And then there's receptive, which is what you're able to say. So I deal with a lot of children who have issues with um, reading comprehension and just comprehension overall, like, WH questions, which are the who, what, when, where, and why questions when they read stories, a lot of them can't recall details from it. They can't retell you a story. They can't categorize, they can't understand. And so these are all things that hinder them from being able to access the school curriculum in the best way that they can, because they, they're not understanding. So we work with that, we work with um, language, we work with articulation. And then the main one people think about when they think about speech pathologists is children who stutter. So, and we also do the communication devices as well. So children who have like iPads, the Big Mac buttons, anything that basically gives them a voice if theirs for whatever reason isn't working, isn't functioning the way it should be. That's like the mm -hmm. easiest way I can like sum it up. <laughs> and, and so you, know, you. That's actually Mara. interesting when you break everything down mm -hmm. because I'm sure somebody, and it, it could be us, I know somebody that, you know, when they show the videos or for us being in them situations where we doing homework with our parents back in the day. Mm -hmm. And they was like, if Timmy has five apples. Yes. Y'all know that experience. Yes. Y'all know a lot of us got our ass whooped. Yes. 
for not being able to answer that question. <laughs> and it was probably one of them situations because yeah. he wasn't comprehending. Yeah, and you think talking louder, you think talking louder is gonna make them get it, and that that's not the situation because literally with a lot of them, there's like a disconnect exactly. where they're not understand, they're not actually understanding what you're asking them. Yes, I see it a lot. Like even like with children who are in regular class, who are in like the general ed classrooms, they get a lot of information and. The teacher's speaking plain English to them, but what they're hearing is just like, it's like Charlie Brown. Yeah. You know? wow. Oh, yeah, I get it. I get that all the time. <laughs> they're not, yeah. It's not connecting for them a lot of the time. And and then you just, you're in the classroom with like 30 something kids and you just keep getting pushed along and pushed along and nobody really knows that you have this issue or this is why. Yeah. Mm. And that And that's the crazy part to it. Because I know I got my ass whooped <laughs> for that little question, the five apple this, and probably just couldn't comprehend. You ain't get the, you couldn't get the apple question. I guess I was, a, I guess I was a fat boy. I knew that shit. He had five. <laughs> that's probably the that's he ate the apples. That's what you call <laughs> contextualizing. That's what oh, you call like, oh, okay. where they are. <laughs> So I like them motherfuckers ate my apples. That's what that's what I got. Yeah, that so it was food for you. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. even in speech, you gotta find what the kid can relate to. Exactly. So for you, food is your relation. Yes. <laughs> See, uh, so that it was easy for you on that level, and that's mm. that's one of those things. I know, like for Asante, his is superheroes. So everything with speech is is superhero this, superhero that. So. I always, like a lot of times, because we've started having like IEP meetings, like renew their IEPs. Mm. And this is my first year doing this. I have a lot of children who they're non-responsive to a lot of the things that we do in therapy because we have like these materials and, you know, they're like the big cards with the pictures. Some of the pictures, you know, are mainly of like white children and things like that. And so I always make it a point with my children who it's difficult to connect with them to ask them, like, you know, what do they respond to? Especially like my little ones who are on the spectrum, like, what do they respond to? Like, what's the, what's the thing that's going to get us where we need to be? Like, I know their goal says one thing, but what can I use in place of this to say, like, if they have a goal of we'll make choices by pointing to something? They don't want to point to a picture of like a watermelon and a cupcake because they don't care anything about it. But they'll point to, I'd rather have, I want the blue car rather than the red car because they like cars. Exactly. <laughs> and and that's the crazy thing to that. And I, I know we, we've discussed IEPs. I think it was our on the autism um, episodes that we are. But in case anybody is wondering, okay, what's the IEP? It is a individualized educational plan for your child. It is specific to your child's learning. Yes. Yes. Are, are you so? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just, you say right. he gonna okay, I was just going to say it just gives them the make sure and gives them the supports and the accommodations that they need. Yes. So that they can't have the the extra part of like what they need to be able to, to do their work. It's the extra time. It's the putting them in small groups so that they can do tests, anything like that, and just setting goals like making smaller making smaller goals so that they can achieve an overall goal. 
of yeah. improving their math skills. So we're going to take it piece by piece and start with XYZ will do be able to do multiplication by themselves for like five minutes to help improve them to the overall step. And it's really to bring them up. So, yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing is you work with people who have uh, speech issues, um, not just like sounding out words, but like stuttering, can't mm. comprehend, um, not understanding, not being able to say, express their feelings, and not feelings, but express stuff. It's feelings sometimes too, especially oh, yeah. the ones who are on the spectrum and they have like no concept of like other people's feelings. And their voices are very monotone, so they don't really have like a lot of infliction in their voice to display when they're happy or sad. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely feelings as well. They have difficulty reading other people's feelings also. Mm. Yes. Okay. So a speech therapist actually does a lot. Where yeah. People only think you're going over words. Mm. Like speech therapists, <laughs> speech <laughs> pathologists do a lot yeah. across the board. That I mean, their plate is large. And like she said, you have when you have a lot of kids, because now there are a lot of kids that require speech in some dynamic or another. Um, so it is, it is a lot. It, you, yeah, it, it, it. Yeah, I have a caseload of, case of 50 now at one school. And I actually, my school, I actually share my school with another SLP and she has almost 50 as well. So there's at least 100 kids right now getting speech services. So. But, can you tell us what a typical day of a speech therapist uh, entails? Uh, when I get there in the morning, it's paperwork. Lately, because it's October, November, December, I have a lot of teachers who are trying to get there because they have with the IEPs, they have to have them renewed, reevaluated like once a year. Yes. Um, to have a meeting, make sure their goals are up to date, make sure that they're getting what they need, make sure they're progressing. So that's been what's taking up a lot of my time lately is having those meetings. But for the most part, when I get there in the morning time is when I do most of my planning for my sessions. I usually have groups of like three or four because I have so many, um, so many special education classrooms my schedule is very tight and I have a lot of, I have to see a lot of them at one time. So it's a lot of, so I do Tuesdays and Thursdays are usually like my busiest days. I am doing planning meetings. We also do a lot of testing, like evaluating the children to make sure to see the ones that are going to qualify, the ones who are still going to qualify and any ones that need to change their goals. Um, a lot of like classroom observations, a lot of parent interviews, and it's sad, but like the therapy, the actual therapy that I get to do is like tiny compared to like what I thought I was gonna be able to do. Yes. So, because it's a lot of, with the school system, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a big difference when I go to like my private practice job, because for that I get, I get one kid for 30 minutes and it's just them. In the school, I have a group of three or four for 30 minutes and it's a lot of dealing with like behaviors it's a lot of wrangling them up and down stairs and i love it don't get me wrong but they, it's definitely there's definitely a big difference between what i can do in the school versus what i can do when i'm at a private practice and it's just me with a child one-on-one -on -one. yes definitely so with um your sessions 
How mm -hmm. long are your sessions in the school system? Um, 30 minutes. Most of my kids get 30 minutes, get 30 minutes, two 30 minute sessions a week. I have like two who get three sessions and then like one or two who are only get like one, who only get 30 minutes. But it's typically two times a week. I typically see most of them two times a week for 30 minutes each. And we all know 30 minutes is not a long time. It's really not. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That's just, yeah, exactly what I was going to ask. You've got three other kids in the room too. And it's just, yeah, it, it gets interesting. And if, and if I can have a group of three, that's pretty good because I have a kindergarten class where I have to take them. No, they're not even kindergarten, they're pre K. And I take them, I have to do them in groups of four. Like it's like four or five in each group. But, and then it's just, it becomes great. My school is really big. My school is three floors. And there's like a thousand kids in the school. So it's a matter of, oh, do I want to walk all the way to the other end of the world and get these? These pre-K kids, get them to walk down the hallway, up an elevator, which is always a production because a lot of them haven't been in the elevator. Or a lot of them are really sensitive to like the shaking in the elevator or the sounds. And that's always a production. So for the most part with my little ones, I end up pushing in, which is I do my services in the classroom with them. But then it's a lot of like wrangling them around the classroom. It's right after lunchtime. It's, it's, it's chaotic to say the least. <laughs> Because that's my thing. Uh, my son does get services in school, but it's 30 minutes a week. And I'm like, by the time he goes from the classroom one yeah. to the other classroom, what are y'all getting really done in time for him to go back in 30 minutes? Nothing. Not, not a whole lot. No. Not. I try to talk to some of them in the hall like, on the trip because it's probably like a good like five minutes to go from the classroom to upstairs where the speech room is. Yeah. You know, and because I have so many kids, I don't really have like, I can either shorten my sessions, give them like 20 minutes and then, I can, or 25 minutes and account for like five minutes of travel time. Or like I end up being late to get like my other set of kids. Yeah. And for the most part, I can't really let most of them walk back to the class by themselves. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, that, and that, that really does make it hard. And that's one of the reasons why I was fighting so hard to get him outside speech uh, yeah. as well because yeah it's that's just <laughs> but for some kids that's all they have mm -hmm. so i guess in a, to a point it's like is something is better than nothing yeah i wish more of them would get out that part let's have this conversation <laughs> <laughs> so um like are you doing this by yourself or are you with the team or how how is that so there is a, I have another therapist who works with me. Like I work for the school district. We both work for the school district, but we are the only two SLPs there in the school. There's a whole special education team. There's the teachers, there's OT, there's PT. And I want to say like vision and hearing and like a couple others. So whatever services the child needs and qualifies for, that's what they'll get. So when we have meetings, it's, it's typically the classroom teacher and then me. Most of my kids, most of the kids who are in the special education rooms will qualify just based on the test because the tests are difficult. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, we collaborate as far as like, because the, the goal is always going to be to keep them with as close to like their peers as possible, to keep them in the least restricted environment, which is going to be the general, ed general education classroom, which is a regular classroom. That's the overall goal. If they can stay in that classroom and still be able to do the things they're supposed to do and be able to reach the curriculum the way they can, then they keep them in there. 
But if they need other supports, then sometimes they'll take them out of the class and like, depending on the subject, like say if they're having trouble in math, they'll move them to a classroom where, they'll move them from math to interrelated, which is like 30 minutes, they're with a teacher who gives them like smaller group instruction. And then after that is when you get into the one, the classrooms that are actually the special, special education classrooms where they are with other children who have like mild or moderate or severe intellectual deficits and they can't really be around another, like in a general education classroom. Mm -hmm. But so it will be one of those teachers, the SLP. And then, like I said, if they get like OT or PT or vision. So we're always the ones who are collaborating, making their goals and reporting back like this is working for them in the classroom or anything like that. So it's really it's a joint effort treating these kids, really. Definitely. Definitely. And as we were about to have that discussion. Um, as a parent, I don't understand how a parent is okay with little Devonte being yeah. poor. Yeah, he can only yeah. He ain't speaking no words, but he's four. Mm -hmm. I see so, that. You're fine with that. You're not embarrassed, but you'd be embarrassed by getting him tested to see if he qualifies for speech because he's four years old and not talking. I don't understand. It's the, I don't get it either. And I see it mainly with like black children. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's, it's us. Like I said, like white people, they will get their children all the services they need. They will throw them in. There is a whole school. I live in Atlanta. There is a whole school in Atlanta called the Atlanta Speech School. And it is mainly rich white children and they, I mean, if they have like hearing impairments, they go from uh, like- What did you like, just say? It's, a, it's called the Atlanta Speech School. Uh-huh, but what was after that? It's a private school, most of it, it's, it's rich. I mean- Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted That's to add, and I, I stopped at the, I, like I was a substitute teacher there before and I think I saw like one little black boy and I just behind me being like, he never plays with anybody. I'm sitting here looking like he can't relate to these kids. Oh, right. So it's like, you put your child in a good school that's going to give them the services that they need because it's a great school or, you know, while also sacrificing their their exposure to like, you know, their culture or like children that they can relate to. Yeah. But that that's a whole other thing. But yeah, they, I don't, White people will give their kids everything they need, and that's all the way until they get to like college. Cause it was white. It was a white girl that told me about like the support services. Like if you need like those, if you need to be able to test, like even in college, if you need to be able to test on like a smaller group, so you're away from the distractions. If you have ADHD or you have anxiety or something like that, they do that kind of stuff. Us, on the other hand, do you think it's because we don't know? I just don't see how you just don't know, though. Like, I mean, the, the things that well, I see with a lot of these children is just like, there's no way. Like, I've seen children who don't respond to their name. They don't make eye contact. They're not, they're not talking like when they when they should be talking. And it's just like, what did your pediatrician tell you? Your pediatrician could have told you that this was okay. That's a whole nother conversation. Man. Because <laughs> I've asked those questions myself. It's like, such a layered um, issue. Are you not going to his yearly checkup? Right, right. And not only that. Should notice by now that little Ray Ray ain't talking. Yeah. 
and not only that, not only that is, um, I believe too, part of it is we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, but some of them got kids that I, I have a third grader right now who his teacher, when he was leaving the classroom, his teacher always asked them a question. And she asked him was two plus one and he started counting on his fingers. He told me, we were talking, to, I was talking to the other boys in the classroom and they were talking about who was the oldest. And I was like, well, when's your birthday? He told me he didn't know. He's the youngest of four children. So, I, I mean, I just feel like, and his teacher told me she was like, she talked to his mom and his mom was like, I have four other, I have three other kids and I've never dealt with this with them. But it's like, you still know what you should be looking for. If you know your kids were doing this, my thing is just ask for help. And I think that's what I really yeah, that's the other thing. To ask for help or not knowing how to ask for help. But the thing is, those the schools get money for these reasons. Like, yes, you're not doing your child any any favors by being embarrassed to ask for help or not knowing this. You know, it's, everybody has their different. I have a fifth grader who, when I talked, he can't read. And when I talked to his mom, his mom was like, she was like, he's the youngest of five. He's like the youngest of five or six. I think the oldest one is, I mean, the next closest to him in age is like even in high school. And she was like, I want to be able to do more stuff with him, but I work at night. And so I sleep all day in the daytime. And she's like, I can't read with him. I can't pick him up from school, you know? And then his siblings are older than him. So she's like, I want to be able to do more, but I also have to be able to provide. So it's not like a one, it's, it's not a one excuse fits all kind of thing. And it, it really depends. So, but yeah, there, there are things people should look out for. There are resources we should have. And, you know, that's why I take opportunities to talk to people when I can, because if they, if they know that it's okay, if you're, you should want, if you want the best for your child, then yes. give them what they need. Yes. In school. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. I, I, I would be more embarrassed by not yeah. in trying to get my kid what he needs. I don't, I don't know about that. I, I'm, I mean, because the reason why I say I'm saying to you, because like, and I was just thinking about it, because I got like a couple of my cousins, they stutter. And when they get excited, they stutter real bad. Mm -hmm. And it was, now thinking back at it, they taught a lot of shit for that. And I think that's that's what also plays into the part of not wanting to get help for stuttering because for like speech because they kids are ruthless. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, kids are they ruthless are. motherfuckers. They, yeah. <laughs> but are they more ruthless for the stutter or versus you getting the help so that you can stop stuttering? It don't matter. It don't matter because think about it when uh. Think about it when you was young and you had that, that one kid that went to that special class. Yeah. That motherfucker talk, talk drug him. Like they say now, they drug him. <laughs> they drug him. You probably in there licking the window. You probably that, got a popsicle with lint on it. Shit like that. You know what I mean? A popsicle with lint on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, no, that's the shit that I heard, but but that's what I'm saying. Like we have to also look at that, not just from the parents' point of view. You got to look at it from the kids' point of view. The kids probably not gonna say nothing. They probably just gonna be like, "I don't understand." And the parents that, gonna, like we said earlier, gonna beat their ass because they not understanding. That kind of stuff typically happens like with the older grades, which is why I don't have a desire to work with like middle school and high school because that's when they start being embarrassed to come to speech. When they're little and I come to the door, all the kids want to come with me. 
But when they start getting older, and I and I, you could very well be right because a couple of the kids I've had, their parents have actually been in special education, and they they've told them like, I don't want my child to have this label because I know what right. I deal with. But exactly. it's older ones who deal with it. But at the same time, it's just like your child sitting in class and doesn't know what's going on. Mm. So I don't I don't know. Like I understand it, but at the same time, also the anxiety, like especially with like stuttering and some other issues or whatever, they end up getting referrals to for speech because they're not speaking up. And a lot of time they're not speaking up because of that anxiety of talking in front of somebody else. And they start stuttering. And that's typically the reason why it ends up, they they get speech if it impacts their, their academics. And if they're not participating in class because they're afraid to talk because of their stutter, that's when they actually are supposed to have speech. So, mm. but, yeah, it's it's big issue, but yeah, I mean, kids are definitely mean. Like I've had to switch around some of my groups because I'm like, we're not gonna sit in class. Both of y'all are sitting in here, and you telling me, oh, that's easy, but you in here too. So it's just like they're they're, they're mean. It's yeah. true. And, and oh, yeah, I think it's, them little fuckers are mean. No, just playing. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Either way, because it's like okay. As a parent, your responsibility is to make sure that your child is the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Once you check up out of here, they still have to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. So if they don't know how to read, who who go who gonna help them? Exactly. Once, if you ain't helped them. Once they get past you and you gone, who's going to help them? They mm-hmm. still have to function in this world, and we already know this world is not kind. No, there's no generosity in this world. For nobody's finna hold, hand hold you, spoon feed you, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just not. So why just leave your child as a sitting duck, just sitting there without trying to get them as close as you can to where they need to be? Because we all know reading is important. You have to learn how to read. You mm-hmm. gotta know how to do math to pay bills. If we're not helping them become as close as they can to that that adult that can function in this world, then you just leaving them hanging. You just might as well push them off a cliff. Yeah, I, I, what I've come to kind of notice with some of them is a lot of the time it's that apple doesn't fall far from the tree kind of thing. Also, oh, so. I'm glad you said that because I was about to get on. <laughs> I was about to get on that. I can stress that on my list. When you don't, when you say you don't know what you don't know, and it's just like a lot of them, if their parents are just doing survival type reading themselves or just like just getting by, then that's kind of what the kid ends up doing too. I mean, there are some that they're like, I want my kid to be better than me, and they recognize that. But yeah. then there are some that it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm glad you took it there because that, that was my next Because <laughs> that was going to be my next question. So when you see, we're talking about the whole getting folks um getting folks help and everything like i always talk about the fact that so society when it comes to us they like to glamorize the minority which is the ghetto the hood you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um is that what you see in your field the same thing like is it the majority versus the minority, like majority, majority of the black kids are doing fine, mm-hmm. but because of the acts and and the issues, I even said the problems with the black kids that you deal with, that's what's being that's what's overshadowing 
the rest of the kids. I'm not sure I'm exactly following the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, like, the kids that you deal with, are, are the things that their experiences overshadowing the rest of the black kids in that um in the, that school? From what you see, the things that they're dealing with. Yes. Um, I don't know. I would honestly. I feel like maybe it's because the area I live in, I feel like most of them just deal with the same stuff anyway, for the most part. Um, And I'm not going to say it's like the roughest area or anything like that, but I mean, it's a lower, it's a lower socioeconomic school or whatever. And I think they all have like pretty much the same issues. Um, A lot of them are good kids and a lot of them are just kids who just need extra help. Huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I think it's survival for all of us at this point, or for a lot of them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I have so many kids because a lot of, the, okay, the thing with special education is is that not every school is going to have like the type of classrooms that all these kids need, so they'll send them to other schools for this specific classroom, which is why I'm at a school that has six self-contained classrooms where they're with each other all day. So it looks like there's more of that kind of population of them. Like I have more self-contained kids than anything else okay. on my caseload. Um, and then a lot of the other ones, they're just like, there's kids who move around a lot. So there's a lot of trauma with them as well. And I, and I, and I, I actually think that's more of the story for them, for more of them than it is like, than there are kids who are in like regular home. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so. You just, you just open up a can of worms for me because I'm going to leave it alone. I ain't going to go down that, that road. Because when you said they, they bust them to that school. They take them to others. Yeah, if they, because I know, okay, so specifically with my school, there's another elementary school that's less than a mile away, but they only have, their special education classroom only goes from, I think like kindergarten and first grade. So when they end up having like second and third grade, and up, that's when they end up coming to my school. And it's, mm-hmm. so it's just like a hub. And I don't, the classes are so big also. And there's like 13 or 14 of them in there. A lot of them have like severe behavioral issues and things like that. And I don't, part of me feels like it almost, it skews the data, if, if that makes sense. Like, mm. it's, like it's like I, I live by a school, I live by a school that I drove by and I was telling my sister, because my sister's been an educator for like 10 years or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I was like, did you know that they're like the top ranked school in Georgia? And she was like, that's because they only take gifted students. Yep. So it's just like, it's, it's very manipulative. And then she's like, and then it's only fourth to sixth grade also. Yep. So it's just like, and it's, it's specifically in a neighborhood that's a better neighborhood, yep. you know, and. And they, and they get more money from everybody yeah. else. Yeah, because they look better on pay. Because they look better, but it's like you're also not dealing with everything else that the, that we're dealing with over here in the trenches. So, hmm. <laughs> so yeah. So now I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah. Now I'm we sitting here talking and, and thinking you you got it. You catching it from both ways, which is interesting because you're catching it one from a speech language pathologist. And then you also are an educator, mm-hmm. your teacher. Yeah. So you're seeing both sides of the coin. 
which is like very interesting. And you you hit on something that kind of made me think, but I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But um, <laughs> you said, you gonna miss a hole? I got, I got to because with this man, you yo, actually gonna miss going. Nah, because she she gonna need her job, so I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> Keep my job, so I ain't gonna do that. I don't deal with it. All right. So, uh, like I was saying, it's like it's it's interesting to hear how schools are manipulating the data. Yeah. Well, not I should say schools. It's not because it's not the school's decision; it's the district's decision. Absolutely. Because um, I coached at a, at a school in, in Virginia, and it was the only what I, the only low income, what is Title 10? Title, uh, title 1. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, only low, the only low income school in that in that county. And when I tell you they get the shitty end of the stick, they, they get do. the shitty end of the stick. They do. And the funny part was, for me, looking at it i was on the outside looking in once the when the football program was getting his ass handed to him nobody said a word of course <laughs> soon as the football soon as dio got there and we started turning that program around and we started blowing people out mm-hmm. holy shit! it was people coming out of woodwork y'all cheating y'all doing this and blah 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 and we were like nah we doing we using what y'all gave us mm-hmm. and they were like literally send kids from other schools because of whatever issue or whatever they said was the issue to that school. And once people started doing positive things with it, it became an issue. Now we need to, he need to go back to his home school. Like for what? You didn't want him. Now we've taken care of him, showing him what it, what it is to what's right and wrong. And he's progressing. It's an issue. Mm-hmm. Education is always going to be like the biggest divider it's always going to be the thing that like pushes the goalpost and it's going to keep mm. some people where they want them to be which is why a lot of schools aren't funded the way that they should be versus mm. you know the other schools that they have all this that this that and a third of their exposure so yeah separates them. yeah it's a school down the street that they spent a half a billion dollars on mm-hmm. a high school that looks like a damn college Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got a, a Olympic size swimming pool. We got a couple of those in Atlanta too. They they they're not in the city of Atlanta. They're further out, like in Buckhead and Sandy Springs, like further out into the suburbs. But we got a couple of them too. That's inter- that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because we did skip over this part, uh, we know that black speech pathologists are very rare. Very rare. I, I'm not going to lie to you. You're the first that I've seen. <laughs> and why is that? Um, I do not. Well, I, I kind of have a feeling. Well, first of all, let me just say that out of a field, uh, out of the whole field, there is, we make up, we being black SLPs, make up 8%, I think. 8% of the whole field is very white, very female. And a lot of them are also very young. I think a lot of it is we don't technically like see SLPs. Like a lot of people don't know what we even do, especially like once you start getting into middle and high school, the only ones they're really seeing are the kids who are like in the self-contained classrooms who are always gonna qualify because the tests that they they even qualify them with are very culturally biased and outdated, but 
That's another thing. So All right. a lot of people aren't, a lot of people don't see us. And I think that's, that's part of it. And then the programs are just really difficult to get into. It's a, a lot. I know when I was applying, it's very expensive. First of all, I know a couple of applications was like were like easily two hundred dollars, and that was just for what that was just for the application to the grad school, and then the application to the specific school, like within it, like the actual program, sending transcripts, sending GRE scores, um, and they get like they can get like three hundred applications, but because the because there's so few SLPs. There's even fewer who actually have PhDs who can actually teach these classes. So they end up having a faculty of like six professors. So they only can take cohorts of like 30 out of like 300 or some applications. So it's very, it's really competitive to get into, but the need is so great also, which is crazy. And then it's a money thing also, like if you can't afford it, there's a lot of HBCUs that if you look at their speech cohorts, a lot of them are mostly white. So it just, I don't know. It's, it's so, a, that's, as you said, so do they have them at the HBCUs? They like, do. There's a, there's a handful they, of HBCUs that have them. Like, I went are to. They kind of funnel them too. Are they funneling people to that? Or is it just like, eh? No, I think the white people know about it somehow. And, and honestly, like, the white people end up there because they get rejected from, like, other schools. So that's and why they, they get a full scholarship. And they get full scholarship. A lot of time they do for undergrad, they definitely do. But I know yeah. there's like, I know like Howard has a program, Alabama A&M has one, Jackson State. There's a University of D.C. where I went, they have a program. It's few, but there there's a couple that have programs, that have that speech hmm. programs. But it's, like what I said, if you look at their cohorts, it's a lot of, it's a lot of white girls in those pictures. Hmm. So going back to that, what made you decide to be an SLP? Um, I had always wanted, I'd always thought about it and I just never acted on it when I went to school, when I, cause I went to Florida A&M and they don't have a program, but I knew I wanted to go there really bad. So I was like, let me just, I ended up doing graphic design and then hit like some little fake midlife crisis and could not figure out what I was doing in my life. And then I was just like, just go back to school for it. But then I got scared. And then one day my niece was talking to me and she kept repeating something to me. And she's like, she got really frustrated. She was like, you don't understand me. And so that broke my little heart. Cause like, but that that's something that I see all the time. Like when you're constantly asking a child to repeat themselves or like if a child feels like they're not being heard, they get frustrated. And so I think it's just my like so delving into it and like looking into this is this is what they actually do and this is the process of getting there. I quit the job that I was working at because I decided I hated it. Like when you know, like when you're at the job, sometimes like you know when it's time to move. Like you know when you start getting like uncomfortable. And I felt like that's where I was. And so all of these things at one time happening, and I remember my job was moving further out, and I was like, I don't want to make this job, so I quit. And I quit. I signed up for classes to start taking like prerequisite coursework. And then I ended up getting a job as a speech assistant. And then that's when I was really able to see like the scope of what they do like within the school system. And I absolutely loved it and knew that's what I wanted to do. So it was, it's been a long process, <laughs> but here I am. So, and I don't regret it. And I, I try to surround myself for us to, for, African-Americans only make up 8% of like the field. I try to surround myself with with a network of black therapists. So most of the therapists I actually know and interact with are black. 
I'm sure I can go to these conventions and see mostly white people, but for me, my my circle is black. And what made you do that? What made you decide that? I don't you I don't know. Like I'm not even sure. It's just it's supportive. And then like you like when you see the way like some white teachers interact with children and not saying black teachers don't don't do their own share of damage as well, but when you see the way like some white people like they have issues with like the organization that gives us our credentials. They have issues with them saying, we need to take cultural sensitivity classes or we need to take ethics mm. courses, you know? And you realize all these microaggressions and it's just like, but the populations that they're treating and working with are mainly children of color. They're mainly children who come from, from different backgrounds than them, you know? And it's just like, I, I wanna be around people who, who see this from my perspective, who knows these children aren't just bad, but that's they where have. a lot of them get out of it, you know? So that, that part. That label. <laughs> that part. Yeah. Mm. You have a deficiency somewhere, they automatically, black black folks, they automatically, mm -hmm. they're, automatically yeah. they're bad. Yeah. That's interesting. Or they don't so, know like go about talking to them or treating them or anything like that. And not saying I'm the most fluent in, in black child or anything like that, but you know, it, it also helps some like relatability, you know, or them being willing to more be more willing to open up to you because I am a black woman, or because like you know they're more comfortable with me. I have had a couple kids call me mom, and I'm just like, why? But I, I know what they see in me, you know, because I can be more nurturing to them. I love them, so yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I'm my. It's interesting that you answered that. Not interesting. I'm glad you answered that question because I like looking at the how much you make is really not a lot like the medium is basically like 50 grand ish yeah. i mean i can the when they hire them directly by the school system the school system most school districts pay them like they pay teachers and by teachers i mean like even first year bachelor holding teachers but i'll just have to have a master's degree a lot of us are contracted are like contract employees oh. so okay we get more money. Yeah, but yeah. That's also, reason, <laughs> that's also the reason why a lot of people don't want to work in the school system because there's so much paperwork. There's so much else you have to do that if this is my whole circle of like, of like, their, I mean, of responsibilities, like only like 10% of it is actually, actually gets to be therapy. That's what it feels like. So it wow. feels like you're being paid to do paperwork and to do meetings and to it feels like the kids aren't that important someday. They're the last, they're the last thing on the list. Yeah, and that's why people get burnt out working working in the school system, and the pay just makes it worse for them. So, but I mean, there there's a lot of them that they're making bank. I mean, you can easily make like six figures easy. Mm. Right, yeah, because I'm looking at it now. Like this is in 2019, the top was a hundred a hundred plus. Yeah. That's probably like nursing home. No, it's just said clinical services. Yeah. They, and that's a super, supervisory position. Yeah. So they're really not doing anything. They're not really not having an impact. Yeah. It, I mean, like I said, it, it's always going to depend on the setting that you work in. So I, I know I get more than 50000 So mm -hmm. it just, it really depends on who you yeah, work with. Okay. So, um, this is what I, I want to do this. I want to do this real quick. I want to role play. So, 
get y'all mind out the gutter. I'm just Jesus. laughing at her face. <laughs> my mind ain't in the gutter. But I'm no. I'm, I'm a little concerned. A little... No, because what I'm going to say is like, okay, I'm going to say I got a, a four-year-old kid who um supposed to be speaking certain words. I know the basic words like cat, hat, bat, scat, and all that stuff. Yeah. But he's not. Um... And I come to you. What would what advice would you give me as a parent to not only uh, understand what's going on, but also to help improve him? And oh, by the way, my schedule is limited. Uh, like you said, I'm not gonna say I work at nights. I work during the days, but I got two jobs. So, how can what can you tell me to help me help my kid along, as well as what would you do? as uh spl SOPSLP. <laughs> same thing y'all know the hell i'm trying to say shit <laughs> my first question is always how does the child let you know when they need something that's what i always ask like because people when they think communication they always think talking but a lot of the times that's not communication is 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 going to be verbal a lot of times but it's also can be non-verbal and it's mm-hmm. You know, it's a matter of like, if I say like, how does this child communicate? A lot of times people get frustrated because their child is not talking. And I don't think not being able to talk is like the worst thing in the world, but it's like, how does your child communicate with you? If your child's hungry, how do they, I mean, how do they let you know that they want something or that they don't like something? What are these behaviors that they're having? Um, If it's a four-year-old, I also talk to their pediatrician and the pediatrician should say like, they're not meeting this milestone. Um, and then typically from there, they get referred to like, if you choose to go to a school district and get um, diagnostics run, like get evaluated. Because once they're four, I can only speak for Georgia, but once they're four, they can't, like three and four year olds can qualify for um, for an IEP and they can receive services through the school district. Like I go and see a four year old at his daycare. So, and a lot of people don't know that. And that's typically like the best thing to do because once they're actually, once they come into kindergarten and they're five, the process of getting an IEP from that point, once they're there, is really difficult. Like really difficult. So anytime somebody tells me that they have a concern for their child and their child is not in kindergarten yet, get your child an IEP as soon as you can because it's going to be so much easier. Once they're in the school system, the school system feels like, well, let's see what they do. Let's take all this data for like, I think it's like 16 weeks, 12 weeks or something yep. like that of intervention. A whole school year. Yeah, exactly. And now you're also waiting on this teacher who already has 20, 25 other kids yes. to implement these interventions and also take data on it, you know, when they're also doing 50 million other things. And it's like the child is sitting in here and can't even tell me what her name is. Or the child is sitting here, and if I say, like, say your name and point to the door, all she's doing is repeating me. And I'm just, and literally, I just had this situation. And I'm just like, they're like, can you come see, you know, we think she, they're like, she just repeats everything that everybody says. And I'm thinking she's repeating things like she doesn't know the answer, so she's repeating what she thinks is the right answer. But it's literally echolalia, which is, which is repeating what somebody's saying. And that's exactly what it is. And the child is sitting in class. Get your child an IEP as soon as you can. That's that's the best thing I can tell people because the whole RTI response to intervention process is very long unless your child that is part. unless your child is really severe. 
It's a very long process. And like you said, you will wait damn near the whole school year before you even get anything done. Yes. Um, he's looking like, what is a RTI? It, a response to intervention. So if, it, if they... If Man, they, you said, I'm over here Googling like a motherfucker. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm trying to put that in. <laughs> I got recent, what is it? Um, Response. I got respiratory therapy and something. Lord, wait a minute. (laughs) Like, what? Hold on. Like, they have a meeting and it's just like, whatever the issue is, like, just throwing one out there. I have one who says the child only says like one word responses. And so I tell the teacher, try giving them. try giving them prompts when you talk to them, you know, to try and get them to use more words. But then the problem is the teacher's expected to take data on this, but the teacher already has 50 million other things going on as well. So it's like, what's really getting done? And really the child needs help, you know? And then then you're waiting on them to get put on the list to get tested. And then getting tested takes forever because I also have 10 other kids who have to be tested. Like, then you have to have a meeting. Then you have to have another meeting. Like, it's a nonstop thing. So if you suspect something is possibly wrong with your child, get them evaluated. It is free. Man. That's what they are for. They will send those, they will send them right, they will send the service providers right to your child's daycare or wherever it is yes. that they are. Message. It hadn't been so many gems dropped already. <laughs> That's because I know I, I I didn't get it in before our time because he wasn't really diagnosed till he was six. Mm-hmm. So that whole process, I had to do it twice because I submitted it at one school he was in. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it takes 16 weeks. And I'm like, yeah, freaking serious. Like, but then I switched into another school, so I have to start over. Oops. Exactly. And the originally that school wouldn't even do didn't want to do any testing uh initially. So I had to go forth and go get an advocate. Yeah, I was just about to say my my coworker has a situation with an advocate right now for that same reason because the process is taking too long. Oh, yes. Because the advocate is about their business. Yeah. I love my son's advocate. Juan is totally amazing. Mm-hmm. He knows his stuff. He knows the Texas laws. He knows what the school's supposed to be doing. So where, for instance, um, like you mentioned earlier, most people have to do their IEP evaluations once a year. Uh, we have about seven. <laughs> as soon as he see and I'm reporting... Look at this. Look at this. No, no. Don't send that email. And yeah. we can have a sit down. Why is this? Why yeah. is this? Well, are y'all going through the stuff that's on his IEP? And we generally know when a teacher is not doing what's on his IEP. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in, if he's not getting extra time, which is a big one, mm-hmm. um, or you're not grading him on his how his on his participation. Mm-hmm. You're not grading him on um, anything. If he's writing or if a verbal response or whatever like that, we can generally tell. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to give him a 50, we can generally tell that you ain't did your stuff. Because FYI, I throw this other little message, this little message out there too. If ever, in fact, please do not be ashamed, be afraid. 
that you don't feel like you're, the teachers are doing what they're supposed to or you're on your child's IEP, you can request them to have training and have it documented on when they were trained. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yes, because we actually, <laughs> we've had to do that every year when his teachers change because of how he was poorly graded before. It was basically just on grades. It wasn't on anything else. We That's why I said we could tell when the low test grades hit. And yeah. like he has a couple of new teachers this year, and that'll be where his grades is low at. Mm. So, but yes, you can request for the teachers to have trainings on IEPs and it has to be documented when they had it. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. They'll tell you, the school will tell you, oh, they, yeah, they was trained and me looking like this. You could, I, I'm every year, I'm able to tell. Every That's year. a good thing. That's a good and thing. You know what? Now I'm thinking about, now listening to this conversation, that, that could be why, well, not could be. Um, that's possibly why it's hard for folks to get in the program because if you know what they're supposed to do, you're gonna make them work harder than what the fuck they want to work. I'm just being honest. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> no, you're not. Because I will tell you this. Because because you know, listening, because and you just one parent. So if you got five kids and half of them making your ass work. Them other two gonna be like, I'm like, look, Jimmy, you, you gonna have to hold on. <laughs> and, and I'm not gonna lie, I will tell anybody, Lord, I'll be a hundred, a thousand percent honest. This journey of assisting your child if they have a disability is not easy. Yeah, I promise to God, I won't even lie to you and tell yeah. you that. Because this has taken one, it's taken me out of my comfort zone. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I want my question to you. Look here, I I like being over here in patience. I have to deal with more people Mm -hmm. than I want to deal with, and this is outside of my job and regular life. I have to, I deal probably with Santi, maybe about 20 other people that I have to deal with, with dealing with him because his team at school. Counting the speech therapist, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the advocate, it's a team of 15. So it's 15 of us on an IEP call. Yeah. Because it's all his teachers and everything. So that's 15 people I got to deal with in addition. That's not counting the doctor, the therapist, specialist. They ain't counting them. This is just school-wise. Mm-hmm. So it takes me out of my comfort zone. Many times, I don't want to deal with people. I be like, ooh. I ain't gonna lie to you. So it do comfort zone. Number two, the paperwork. Oh yeah, it's never ending. I will lie, lie to you. I I had some some complications because you know my job be putting me in a place, and all his recertifications and stuff is usually October November. My paperwork for everything that I had to get him recertified for, redo application process was literally this thick stick sitting right here next to my laptop. And I'd pick it and I'd look and I'm like, it triggered my damn anxiety. It's a lot. Like, I just ain't in the mindset to deal with it. I'm like, I'll get it in before the deadline, but right now my, it, it ain't there. So it took me a minute. So you are, you're going to end up cussing some folks out. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> like for me, when they hear my name, oh, Shanti's mom is sent a message on the reminder of his homework. Don't try and tell me my son ain't turning his homework when you ain't sent it. Yeah. So let me let me let me go to plan A. This is what we finna do. <laughs> I want you to hand deliver it to me. Meet me downstairs and you put it in my hand. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna advocate for your child the way you can. Man, I'm telling you, and I and that's one thing. And you said that completely right. And that's the first thing his advocate told me. Yeah. I have to advocate for my son for the rest of his life. Because we, I mean, like we're we're all here, like the support personnel. We're all here. Yeah. To- for the betterment of the kids, but you know, a lot of stuff falls through the cracks. Like I have a stack of paperwork too. So it's just, you have to stay on top of it. If your child doesn't have, I mean, your child doesn't know what, what they're supposed, what's expected of the people who they're working with. So you need to be the one like yeah. sure that everything is, is a well-oiled machine. Cause yeah, when people drop their kids off at school and they literally don't know like what happens. Like I, I have a parent I see at a private practice. She's just like, I'm like, you know, like what? Are you, what's your child? What's he working on her in the IV? And she was like, because of COVID, she claims because of COVID and not being allowed like in the school or whatever. She's like, she doesn't know what's on his IEP. But I'm like, look here, oh, no. <laughs> I know they give you a copy of it. So it's just... that part, check this. <laughs> I get one in a Manila envelope. Mm-hmm. And I get one sent to my email. Yeah. And anytime, anytime something changes, they have to give you, they have to give you prior written notice. You can't yes. do anything without a meeting. Like no. you have to stay on top of it. Like, because at work, I'm going to tell you how I be at work, which is one of the reasons why I make the sacrifice of working at a low paying job because mm-hmm. of the flexibility, because I'm trying to get him every service. But at work, I'm like this. <laughs> as soon as that phone rang, hello, oh, hello how you doing, brother? I'm taking phone calls. <laughs> when they call on anything, uh, do we call it because it's speech? Okay, they got that. Ru- okay, thank you. When I make need to make an appointment, I'm walking around the kitchen. I'm cooking with my phone. Yeah, that's a sacrifice I have to make because I know. If I went into back into a pharmacy technician setting, I can't have that access. Right. Everything is going to have to be done after I get off at five. Most things close at five. So that mm-hmm. makes that mission impossible. Mm-hmm. I know as a contractor, my contractor hours are from seven to three thirty. I do not answer phone calls or emails after three thirty. I guarantee you. Yes. And when you're trying to get everything done and deal with everybody, like, doctor's offices when covid and stuff hit a lot of people started closing early Mm. they don't work the full schedule no more so Mm. you're constantly busy trying to okay well let me fix this let me see when i can do this let me send like like i told you when he got the when we even got the thought of approval that he would get a a, you know approved for speech again i was like oh okay so you're on available on tuesday or thursday okay so i'm finna move this therapist over here Mm -hmm. and i'm finna move this over here and we finna move haircut day to Wednesday. And we like I had I started even and they came up doing our last IEP and I was like, hey, hey. <laughs> so this is where we are. Y'all already knew I was working on this. I need to be able to do this, this, and this. And in your IEP, finna drop another gym. You can also request for a um medication, uh, a medical release. 
far as you know how schools have the cutoff. Oh, mm -hmm. you can we don't release kids after three o'clock. Er, hold on, partner. Yes, you can. I'm gonna add this in the IEP because that was one of the issues that I faced that they cut them off at 2:30 where we couldn't pick them up after that was the cutoff. Okay, well, guess what? I make his appointments at three. When I get off of work, I make his appointments at that time. So no, I need to be able to take him to his appointment. If I'm picking him up at 2:40, 2:45, that's also added into his IEP. Oh, because the 504, like the the 504 part of it. Yeah, because yeah. that it it a. I'm a single parent. I'm still trying to work, but I'm trying to get him his resources. Right. I even asked for PE to be like his last class. So that could be something he misses, which ain't, I ain't saying it ain't serious, but it ain't that serious because he's in there the majority of the time versus him missing out of his core class. Yeah. So that's that time when I make his appointments so we can make them appointments before four o'clock. You know, some of them I got to drive 45, 50 minutes across town sometimes. So, you know, I, I work and try to adjust with everything, but that was something that definitely that it can be added. I didn't definitely. Know. Yeah. So, so I'm 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 gonna take it down this one. Here we go. No, no. <laughs> no, I was I'm like, what what is the from the black community? Uh what is the number one Thing that you see that we struggle with when it comes to speech? I would definitely say it's receptive information. I don't mm. know what it is about like talking to some children, reading them stories, but they don't retain a lot of information for some reason. I don't know what mm. it is. They retain a lot of information. A lot of them have a lot of difficulties following directions, but you're always constantly repeating yourself and then we get into this mode of like, I'm not going to keep repeating myself. I'm going to just beat you. So it's just, I really definitely think yeah. a lot of it is receptive and what they can understand, what they retain. And that's, that's a lot of, that's mainly what I see. I do have like a little bit of articulation here and there, but a lot of it also, when it comes to like articulation, a lot of it is dialectal. And that's mm -hmm. like the big thing that like a lot of like black SOPs are, because we get into like code switching or understanding that because some of these kids are from Georgia, they're going to say things like street and straight rather than street and straight. You know, some of it is just the way they talk. Some of it is they come from parents who they come, they live in homes with parents who speak African-American vernacular. So that's what they speak as well. And it becomes like a fine line of not wanting to take that from them. It's who they are. You know, it's a lot of their culture also, but then trying to teach them, you know, there's a time and a place to say it this way or that way. It's not wrong, but, you know, when you're with your friends, you can say it this way, but when you're in school, you need to say it that way. That for, right. the part, for the most part, most of my kids are working on just retaining information, being able to retell stories, understanding details, WH questions, the who, what, when, where, and why. So that seems to be the most difficult for them to do. Which is interesting, because that's what I was doing. I was Googling, and it said the, the number one was Ebonics, for whatever reason, according to this. Uh, it didn't say Ebonics. It just said cultural difference, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So basically, they're saying Ebonics. They can't be politically yeah. correct with the shit. Yeah. Um, and then the <laughs> second one is the reception, receptiveness. And which is and then third one, which we talk about all the time, is, is the expressive. I guess it's the expressive part. Yeah, being able to express the, their feelings. 
And it's and we talk about all the time on the show, like growing up, you weren't allowed to say how you felt and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the things that folks need to know and understand when it comes to the things that they say at the house. Like, granted, I understand some stuff at the house they don't need to talk about. However, you need to allow them a a, a safe space to express themselves because once you start deadening deadening that, then it it doesn't doesn't just stop as soon as they walk out the door, going to school. It's it's gonna be at school. It's gonna be at an interaction with other folks, and that that leads down a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. You think about, I mean, like, there's like a lot of times when people use like the phrase, they'll say like, I feel a kind of way, or I feel some yeah. kind of way, and it's like, no, you need to put words yes. how you feel. Like, I'm not here to interpret what you're trying to say. It's like I told, like when people send me emojis, I don't speak emojis, I speak English. I play around with emojis and memes and gifts and stuff like that, but yeah. don't just come sending me cryptic shit, you know? So that's, why just, that's why I hate text. <laughs> So we do need to give our kids like the freedom of like expressing themselves and putting what they what they feel into words and because I mean language is important. You it know? does. It and, does. And, and that's why, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say that's why we I, I do have like I work with like some older kids who a lot of their goals is the conversational goals or being able to like find synonyms and antonyms and we may not think a lot of it as like typically developed adults. But right. a child who doesn't, they need like a larger vocabulary to be able to explain and express themselves rather than just using sad or happy, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it matters. It's, it's a big, it's a big deal. It does. It, it, and it is. And I don't think people like think of the connections with a lot of things. Um, usually that, you know, speech and reading go hand in hand. Yes, and I- this is one of the things that I fight when I try to get the approvals for my son's speech. I'm like, first of all, like I told you when we was talking the message, I believe if the kid has autism spectrum disorder, that their therapy speech therapy should automatically be approved. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to fight like you are in a war Absolutely. to get your child services because you already know with speech therapy, their their weakest area is always reading. Yeah. If they don't have the component of the sounds of blending the words the mm-hmm. s blends and stuff like that mm-hmm. you're going they're going to struggle even more in reading that's mm-hmm. important they have to be able to pronunciate mm-hmm. in order to get that if they don't have those those tools they are not going to be successful and we're not even going to add in the other possible things for speech <laughs> if they have um nasal issues or tonsil issues or anything of that club anything mm-hmm. tongue tied like People don't think about those little bitty things really do make a difference mm-hmm. with that. So when I tell you that 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 report was like four pages. <laughs> because you have to put every single thing thing in there. I'm like digging up stuff, like, wait a minute, hold on. So he was one, he had this, so we're gonna add this right. Like we were literally pouring information in there. We had his speech therapies therapist sent over the last um stuff that she had everything on that we added everything possible to get this approval yeah it's taken over two two and a half a little over two years for of denials 
it's it's so difficult and it doesn't that's why it's so difficult like oh I, i'm like is it coming out of your pockets or something yeah, like well you can always dispute it i shouldn't have to dispute it you should approve it and stop being difficult you know you got his whole line of diagnosis why are you being difficult that, mm-hmm. that's what i want to know the diagnosis are, it's this diagnosis come on man it doesn't make sense I, they probably just do i think like that's why like in the private practices they do make a lot of money off like medicaid and medicare and like the private insurances and stuff like that and so my only guess that's why they're so tight with it is because they don't want to pay because that's where the money is i definitely make a whole lot more like in my private practice than i do at the school but that's what it is but it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be it should. a money thing. And it always comes down to money. Like even with mm-hmm. the schools, like these kids are literally like dollar signs. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's, certain, there's certain days that like, if you like certain kids, like there's a hierarchy to, to like the kids or whatever. And certain days, like if you see them on certain days, this is the day you're actually going to get money for this child. It's like the, it's the craziest thing, but Basically, like like my pre-K kids, I can't see them on Tuesdays or Thursdays because they're going to take up space in my schedule. And when it comes time to coding once every every quarter, they're not going to get money for them. So it's like, I can't, it's, it's, it's crazy. I know. I'm telling you, I know. My kids that receive only speech services, they, they get the, they get the schools the most money. But there's only a couple of them. I only have like two of them. And then there's the other kids who get other services like interrelated and things like that. I need to see them on Tuesdays and Thursdays also. But pre-K, no, no Tuesdays and Thursdays because they're not getting any money. See your speech, see your kids only getting speech on Tuesdays and Thursdays because they get you the most money. So that's what I'm, I'm saying. Glad you, I'm glad you said that because that was a <laughs> note I put in my book. <laughs> It is a whole. It is a whole money thing. Like it, it, it's crazy. And it's so. And it is crazy because I'm gonna say this, and this is something that I've peaked. I I peaked game with with my son's IEP. Is when you're in the IEP meeting and you're signing paperwork and everything, they ask for the insurance information. And if they're on Medicaid, they get paid through Medicaid. Really. Wait, are you talking about the school or like or like private speech? The, the school. Oh wow! But those services for them, the, the SLPs. When you're filling out that paperwork, they're they're asking all the medical information so that they can bill the medical. Oh wow! I I haven't seen that in Georgia. I though. was always curious. I was like, "What the hell, y'all need his insurance?" <laughs> I don't know. I cannot speak for that. I have no idea. Y'all, like, that's interesting, though. That's and then somebody told me, and I said, ain't that a... But it, it was so crazy how the pieces had started falling because it was people that they were telling, oh, well, if your child needs speech therapy, they have to go, you have to take them to another school. And I was like, no, they're lie, because my child gets speech therapy right, right here. Right here. I was about to say, well. right, right here, they're lie. Go, baby. And I tell somebody with the quickness, get you an advocate. I was about to say, even if they don't, even if like a lot of SOPs, 
they have a home school where they are most of the time, but we do have to go to other schools a lot of the time. The therapist I work with, she goes to our school and then she goes to another school like on Tuesdays and Wednesday or Tuesdays and Fridays or whatever. But the, they definitely, as long as they're in the public school district, the child doesn't move. Unless they don't, unless they don't have a classroom to accommodate the child, but as far as actual services outside of the classroom, we come to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I believe me, this has been a learning experience for me mm-hmm. because I know even down to getting his advocate, um, the counselor at his school at the time, she deterred me from doing it. She's like, "Oh, we don't deal with advocates and this and this and this and this." And I'm like, "Here, that's the only reason you wouldn't want to do with that is if you know you ain't doing something right." Like that part, you die teasing. I let it, I let it ride for a little bit till I while I was asking questions, and then we had that IEP. I was like, "Bam!" Like I was in a domino game. Here it is. Let's get it. Listen, they're going to give you an advocate. If you need a translator, they're going to give you a translator. Like, whatever he, he that, that he is went in with He went in with boxing gloves on mm-hmm. because a lot of things that they had on his IP was a no-no. Mm-hmm. And he picked everything apart. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I have a child right now. I, I hope their parent gets an advocate because she's a she's a three year old with Down syndrome. She doesn't she doesn't talk. Like she's she's not verbal right now, but she has all of these goals towards her being verbal, like using like pointing to and saying an item. And her teacher's like it was my first time seeing her. her teacher's like she doesn't say anything. She'll say like hi, like make it like a little noise. But literally, that's it. And so I'm giving this child like zeros, like all down the up and down her paper, because these goals aren't things that she can. She may be able to do them eventually, but right now she can't do them. And it's okay. Really? She's she's three years old. It's her first time in school. She's she's a handful. But these are not. She's also not engaged in speech because these aren't goals she can do. I didn't give her the goals. She got the goals from when she got evaluated by diagnostics. But I'm just like, you setting this child up. Like, man, you have to take building blocks to be able to build up to that. And the child may never be verbal. But right now, I just need to know, can she show me a watermelon? Can she differentiate between an apple and a banana? You know, so those are like the little goals that they need to work towards, not point to it and say it when the child doesn't talk. The child didn't talk when you evaluate her. Why do you think she gonna talk now? They think she Helen Keller. She just on one day. Apparently. <laughs> That's horrible. I want to shift gears for a little bit. Um, Like two things that you said, you mentioned earlier. Uh, one about money for school. Mm-hmm. Like you said, each child brings in a certain amount of money for schools. Correct. So, how does that impact the rating of that school? Because you um, mentioned as well, like they'll bus a kid past one school to another school just to deal with that situation. <laughs> well, they take them to the other school because they can't, you know, they'll have like a home school and then they'll have one where they're actually being serviced at. So, if they don't have the appropriate classroom setting in their, the school that's closest to them that they're zoned for, They'll move to another school. For the most part, um, if I had to take a guess, I don't know exactly like what kind of fund how the funding works, but I do know that they're probably getting a lot of money for like having these kids, having so many kids who have who are like getting special education money because there's so many of them in the school. Um, 
I don't, and I, and I have no clue why they do that either. But they, all those. I, people- I got my, I got my thoughts because I was about to say, is it that they have to send them to the school because they have have the resources, or they don't want them in their school? But that's a whole other conversation. No, because no, because you're right. I, I honestly feel like because I because I worked at the other school that a lot of these kids are actually zoned for, and I feel like they probably could accommodate them if they wanted to. Right, and I definitely because it only I know this the school that I keep thinking about in particular they only have like one or two self-contained classrooms, so it's just like you could have more. You could go like K through five with you know special education classrooms, but. It's just down the, 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 it brings down the, the, the shininess of that school. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I know uh, I got like a whole bunch of questions written down right now. That ain't uh, I'm going to bounce this. I'm, I'm, I'm known to, to be messy. Uh-oh. So, Very. I'm going to just go ahead and get messy right now. <laughs> In your field, and I, it's a twofold question. In your field, do you feel that there's a bias against people of color when it comes to that the field? And the two parts is as a student, as somebody that's in the program, and as somebody that's teaching in the program. I went to a, to an HBCU. My cohort was half black women. So I felt like I didn't have any problem. However, I do know that I have definitely heard stories of people who are like, they literally left their programs because they felt like they didn't fit in. They felt like they were being discriminated against and they felt like there was definitely like a lot of biases. Um, I've never had that experience and I'm very grateful for that. But it can happen. And like a lot of white people, they can be so tone deaf. Like they can be tone deaf, they can be oblivious a lot of things and they look at it because a lot of times they look at it through their own perspective of privilege and they don't understand like you have to look at like this whole child and they'll get mad at you like you know like if you like if i i remember i I remember seeing like one of my classes um there was a conversation there was like a uh a commercial about um i want to say like autism being linked to like lead and water and one of the girls was like why don't they just send their kids to school bottled water i'm like you think everybody's just out here buying like big cases of water? Like it's really just that simple. So it's just like, I know there's biases in the field, which is why I prefer to surround myself with black therapists because they are more understanding. We, we've all been there a lot of the time, but yeah, definitely like, I, I would definitely say there's biases on both, in both parts of both parts of your question, honestly. As expected. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just as expected. Yeah, as we expect that bias though. Yeah. Which is why we need more black therapists and more bilingual therapists and more therapists of color. Like I have a girl who they did an evaluation on her. She's Burmese and they asked me to write her goals, but I've never I've never laid eyes on this child. But honestly, they they're like she only speaks like in one word. She only gives like one word responses. One she was doing that because she wasn't familiar with the person who tested her because now that she's mm. built up a rapport with me, she speaks more to me. But I also understand the fact that she lives in a home where she doesn't speak English. In mm. the home, she only speaks English when she's at school. And those type of things need to be taken into consideration when you're giving children goals like 
speak in full sentences or speak in use the appropriate past, present, future tense. But if they don't have if those things, those concepts don't exist in other languages, of course, it's going to be difficult for her because she's not an English speaker. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I've seen situations where people were like some therapists are like they've run into like nurses or teachers who didn't who don't respect them as the SOP or they they somebody was I've seen a lot like especially like in the hospital system a lot of them like they get mistaken for like a CNA it's a whole ass grown ass person with a mask not that's no shade on like CNAs but it's just like you know you're questioning somebody's somebody's education just based on the fact that they look young or because they're black or because they're a woman and you don't believe, you don't trust what they're telling you. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it's, it's easy to forget like that the field is 92% white, but you know, you no, it, it shouldn't be because look at the, you look at the US, I mean. No, it, yeah, I agree. But see, I work in a black school district, I work in a black school, so that's why like I tend to like how many white therapists actually exist, but they're there. And they, they do I'm glad you said that. What you chose that, or was that where they put you? The school district where I am. Yeah, I chose it. I chose okay. it. <laughs> That's what's no, because I was, I was. When you said that, it made me think because I know sometimes uh, I've heard. I should say. I should say something. I've heard that individuals will be qualify for a position at say uh saint matthews blah 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 top of the line school but they'll send them to the martin luther king i believe it i totally believe it i totally yeah. believe it i totally believe it definitely so can you starting off um and definitely to just go over and help anybody that may watch this that's curious what would be signs that a child should be tested for speech um so for like the little ones which that birth through i think like birth through like maybe two or three is usually considered in early intervention and so the little for those little ones it's usually typical typically things like um not doing like two to three word utterances or not responding to their name, lack of eye contact. Um, those are big ones. And it's usually like around like one or two, I think when they, when people start realizing they're not using enough words like they should be. So a lot of times it's when you're like pointing to things or if they're having like temper tantrums because you're not understanding what they're saying or um, and also just misarticulating words, but the whole misarticulating words thing is kind of dicey because for the most part, yes, they should have like intelligible speech, at least to like their parents or people who are familiar listening to them by the time they're like three or four. But there's a lot of, um, a lot of like, we call them phonological processes, which are things like, instead of saying like, Hey sounds, they say T sounds. So instead of like cop, they'll say top. So that's a that's an example of like a phonological process. Those are typically gone by the time they're six. So it's just kind of hard to tell like, is this like a developmental thing or is this like a actual articulation thing? Like, but just paying attention to your kids. A lot of things, one thing I tell people is read to your kids. When you read to them, ask them questions, show them pictures like, oh, show me who this is or show me who that is. Just exposing them to, 
to words, into concepts, into language, into reading, into seeing it and writing and helping it all come together. And a lot of times when those things aren't clicking, like around times of like two and three, that's typically when you should know, I think. I got to uh, to add to ask on to that question. Mm-hmm. How many words should like between how many words should a child know at age of milestone? Oh Lord. Now that I don't know. I wanna say I think like by two or three, it's like a hundred words or something like that. Okay. I don't know. And a lot of times it's what they can put together too. Like uh, if they can like if they can put the words together. Um I don't I honestly have no idea. Early intervention is not my thing. But mm-hmm. you can you can kind of tell like they like right like around like one and two is like when they start saying like their colors and their letters and you know naming foods and things like that. So if they're not doing like those simple things, it's typically a sign of you might want to talk to your pediatrician. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How how much does aggression uh, play a part in speech delay? How much does what? Aggression. Aggression. <laughs> um, in what kind of context? Like what type of aggression? So um, I know like you were mentioning earlier, like um, like even with your niece, like mm-hmm. when you kept asking her because she didn't understand. Yeah. She got frustrated. Um, and I've heard in some instances that some kids are, become aggressive. Like the hitting, the you know, the 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 physical, um, because it's a speech issue. Yeah, I mean, when you think about like all of us want to be understood, mm-hmm. so and a lot of the times their behaviors do come from the fact that somebody's yeah. not understanding them, or you know, they can't get their point across, and it's just like this is their way of acting out. And a lot of times it's like when we have kids, especially like our nonverbal or minimally verbal kids, mm-hmm. we get it a lot. We get it a lot, a lot of tantrums, a lot of running around, and it's just a matter of saying like, you're okay, like, cause, or they'll start freaking out. Um, and it's because they can't, they can't verbalize what it is that they want to say, or they can't let you know what's actually wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the, what the actual occurrence rate is of that or whatever, but I can definitely say I see it a lot. Yeah. Or even, so if, you- even if they can use language, they don't know how to verbalize what it is. That's what I'm gonna say. So, so you're saying that there, the anger and aggression comes from the frustration of not being understood. Yeah, I remember somebody told me. Somebody said, language doesn't cause behavior. No, behavior problems don't cause language issues. Language issues are it's caused called. by behavior problems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's they're acting out. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the craziest and, thing is. Uh, as we get older and I know like for me when you think about the issues like what we just talked about today the frustration and things like that but you think about how many times you got your ass whooped (laughs) (laughs) that's why I hate hate when people are like oh we didn't have autism back in my day or we didn't have this back in my day but I'm like we didn't no, though, like, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. No. I, that's what I was gonna say. I think that's that come that stems from the not the not understanding of everything that's going on. Yeah, it's like, just, we didn't a lot of these diagnoses are just coming out. Yeah, in the last twenty to thirty years. 
Yeah, it's like we didn't always wear helmets and seatbelts either, but we see the yeah. life now. Like, yeah, and just kids you used to get hit by cars and shit all the time, and exactly. it's like put some dirt on it and walk it off. Yeah. It's yeah. going backwards. Like, how the fuck am I gonna walk it off? Yeah, yeah. and it, it's 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 crazy because, like I said, when you start to think about different things, you like, man, I got my ass hit for this. Mm-hmm. It was because okay, I had a deficit somewhere where I needed assistance. Yeah, and you just needed somebody to take more time with you, and that's what we're here to do. But it's also because there's so many of you, it's really difficult. Yes. Oh, he got another question. <laughs> it's part of it's part of a thing is when you said difficult. I, um, thinking about what we're talking about. I think a lot of it it went both it went both ways. It went both ways. Because the kid is acting out because they're frustrated because they can't express how they truly feel for everybody to understand. And then the parents are acting out uh getting upset because they can't understand their child. So everybody's frustrated. Everybody's irritated at each other. So and it is and the sad thing about it is we still see it today. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's that's where the abuse is coming from. Yeah. 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 And you hear people I ain't shit wrong with him. He he just bad. Like yes, yes. You know, I oh Lord have mercy. <laughs> if he's bad, you uh, you don't understand what he's going through. Like yeah. those behaviors, they're typically triggered by something. Like yeah. it is. It's triggered by something. I one of my I was sitting. In, I remember I was sitting in my office, and one of my my coworkers she asked one of the kids she was saying. She was like, what happened to your lip? And he was like, my mom punched me. He, he told her his mom punched him in the in the face because he didn't know his knees. And I'm just like, but she's the mom. Like, how are you mad at him? Because And they said that's not the first time that that's happened either. Wow. But who are you mad at yourself because you felt at a parent or this child that is literally a child and who his yes. education you're responsible for? You know? Oh, no, I was just gonna say, like, I understand, like, it's not easy working or parenting like children who have needs that are outside of like what regular children or typically developed children have. I understand that, but if you need help, you need help, but you cannot take it out on your child. Say it again for the people, <laughs> it's just not okay. They're just doing it, and everybody's just mad, and it's just like you get nowhere. Let me ask you this: Do you think that a lot of the reactions and a lot of the way people respond to stuff is driven by society and uh, society and social media norms? Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think a lot of people compare their they, they compare themselves to what Other they kids. see. Yeah, and there's just. And there's so many, like even like even like with parents not wanting to get their kids put their kids in special get their kids special education services. You think about how people joke about like oh the retarded class or the reread class that kind of stuff. Those kind of things put labels, and now now here we are because we don't even use you don't even we don't even use retardation anymore. We don't use retard. You know, all the language is really important. The visuals that you see are really important. You know, and it's just like. You're looking at these things, and it's just like, but your child is your child, you know. And regardless of what's happening with them, like if they need help, they need help. Agreed. Yeah, I got like a few more questions. 
Um, but you, hey, I'll let y'all talk. So I'll let y'all have y'all time. <laughs> it's my time to ask the questions. The questions. <laughs> so, uh, the one of my questions was the talking about the music as a speech language pathologist. How do you feel about uh, music influence uh, influencing kids' speech? I'm okay with it. I think there's like lots of different ways of like self-expression and really? music, yeah, music makes people feel good. You yes. know? <laughs> Sometimes that's what, I don't think everything needs to be always so serious. I mean, mm. music is good therapy too. And mm. you know, the funny thing is though, is like people who stutter, when I think about music, as far as like speech is concerned, specifically people who stutter, when they sing, they don't stutter. It's a really interesting. It's a really interesting thing. So you just never know. Music, art, all of those things can be integrated into into communication. Mm. I was thinking more along the lines like language. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a matter of them just learning, like the appropriate time of when to say those kind of things, or mm-hmm. you know, or realizing like, yes, they talk like this, but that's. That's casual talk. Like you can't, right, okay. And a lot of children, they, they'll write the way that they talk. Yes. And if they talk in a certain way, then that's what comes up in their writing, especially when they're trying to sound words out and things like that. So it, it can be a little bit of an issue. But for the most part, it's a matter of saying, like, this is what you can do with your friends. This is what needs to actually go on the paper that you turn into your teacher. Yes. Okay. So my next question. So y'all keep dropping the uh, word advocate, advocate, advocate. What is an advocate, and where can people get one? The school districts typically provide. We'll give you an advocate if you ask for one. I haven't had any interactions with one, so I'm not positive um, mm-hmm. as far as like what all they do. But I do know that they're beneficial. Like, if you need somebody to say, like, this is what's happening to break down what's because the IEPs can be very long, like, and they can be very wordy. And if you're not exactly, if you're not sure that you're what you're looking for, this is the person who's going to say, this is what's happening. This is what they're proposing on doing. This is what they want to change for you, you know, or are you okay with this happening? It's basically like the person who can give you a better understanding of the legal document that is the IEP and the 504 plan. So like a translator, basically. So basically, um, on my level, it's coming from a parent. Mm-hmm. An advocate is that person that knows the laws for whatever state for you to have that you have or the, that your child with a disability is allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you, um, they know the rules when you request the IEP. They know how many days that the school has in order to have that meeting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really holding the school accountable yes. for what your child is able to get. Like there's so many different accommodations that your kid can have. But as a parent, we may not know those because we're not in the school system. Like, so for instance, people may not know the extra time the assistance, the one-on-one that they can have, the assistance they can have um, with testing or vice versa, um, devices Mm -hmm. that your child can have. So 
it just all kind of different things. They're really there as a help. At least they should be. Again, Asante's is awesome. Um, and can give you that. Like if the school is trying to, like for instance, there was a time when um, on his IEP, before I got the advocate, they had me as part of his behavioral plan, which is a no-no. I, I'm not supposed to be any part of his behavioral plan. So if he was having a bad day or a meltdown or whatever, their first thing was to call me. They called me damn near every day. If he had, and at one point, Asante had elopement issues. He didn't like going into the classrooms, but he didn't like to go into the classroom because it was loud. It's 30 kids in the classroom. And he was, he was definitely basically, um it, it was it was too much for him it was too much going on so his thing it was like triggering anxiety i'll say that so mm -hmm. it was like triggering his anxiety so his thing was to get out that situation not to sit there in the anxiety moment but to get out the situation so they started saying he had elopement issues and it wasn't that it was his anxiety is being triggered so he's trying to go into a place that is calmer and not so overactive well, if he left the classroom, they was calling me. Oh, he left the classroom. You need to come pick him up. And that's crazy because that's really one of those basic things with children with autism. They have sensory issues, so they yes. are easily overwhelmed yes. by that. And that's, that's what I was saying about my ones that I have to take up in the elevator. They are always like holding my hand because even like the small elevator sound isn't a lot to us, but it's very overwhelming. It is. The, the movement. Mm -hmm. Then he was, he was just, he was, like I said, he was overstimulated mm -hmm. in that room. So it came down to a point to where, like I said, they were calling me every day. Oh, he needs to be picked up for today. He can come back tomorrow, but he keeps leaving class. And this is a safety issue. No, it's not a safety issue. He's overstimulated. Mm -hmm. He has anxiety. It's on his paperwork adjust to the situation so when i gave when i went to the initial visit with the advocate he looked over and he big old um highlighter this he just went down the road and when i'm looking i'm like damn you didn't highlight it damn near the whole table <laughs> and he's like these are all the things these are all the issues that mm -hmm. shouldn't be on this paper he mm -hmm. went through all eight nine pages of the iep and highlighted all the issues. He said, the only way that you should be part of his behavioral plan is if you're on their payroll. Yep. When he's there with them, he is their responsibility. You are not that person. Mm -hmm. So that's the what an advocate is used for. An advocate was advocating for you. He's advocating for your child. So to, he's basically making school accountable because if they slap, that's a lawsuit. A so then again, we're legal document. A lot of people don't even know there's like a timeline for like the way things have to happen. Even with like testing, once you sign like the um, once you sign the the form to say like my child can be tested, it is supposed to be done within X amount of days. It doesn't always happen because of other issues because it's yeah to balance everything, but it's supposed to happen within a certain amount of days. It's like, I think it's like forty five something yeah. like that. If they're changing something, they have to let you know 10 days before it happens. Like, oh, there's yeah. a lot of like, and it, it's very much a legal document. There's a lot yeah. of things that 
you know, about who as parents if they don't know what they're looking for. Yeah, if they don't follow through, that is a damn lawsuit. That's why I said if his grades is underpassing, guess what we finna get ready to have. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep all my text messages mm-hmm. because where I've asked you many a times and told you his homework is in his backpack and it was still in there a week, I took a picture every day. Mm-hmm. So even the amount of time. Even the number of days, like, you can actually suspend a child with an IEP. Like, there's only, like, a certain number of days that, that yeah. they can suspend it for. Like, and people don't know that either. They, yeah. <laughs> he's suspended for a week. No, he can't because I think really? it's only, like, five days. Like, no, no. But if you don't, don't have that, <laughs> or you know the laws of your state yourself, you're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. My niece has an IEP for speech, but she has a 504 plan for her ADHD. Her speech therapist told my sister was like, shouldn't she be getting ready to be exited out of speech? Her SOP told her if she takes him, if he, if she exits out of speech, then she'll also lose her 504 plan. That's not true because the 504 plan doesn't have anything to do with, with that. The 504 plan gives her accommodations for small group testing. The IP is just to make sure she receives the speech services. So that's him giving her incorrect information. Yeah. So then, my my question still has not been answered. Where and how, well, maybe T, I have more information okay. about so where to get. One. Every place is different. From what I'm learning, from me being in different groups, far as um, parents with autism, ADHD, all those lines, this is one of the biggest issues that people are finding. Uh, trying to find an advocate because um advocate services a lot of times are not free for asante's advocate i pay every meeting for for every iep we have i have to pay for that now what i'm learning what i have learned over the years um for instance uh i recently learned this year that medicaid does offer free um advocate services is from what i was told um because he does have a um a counselor that's attached to his insurance that say she checks in and everything else lets me know whatever services whatever blah 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 so she told me that they do offer free advocating services i did refuse those services because his advocate is bomb.com i i will just go i some sacrifices i'm gonna make and i'm gonna pay that money for him because i know that his advocate is not just this or just for a job he actually has a heart for it because he also has two kids with autism so my kid having autism his kid having he know what to fight for he know the com he know what accommodations asante can have so that's one um here um with thanks to francine um i got Asante's advocate through Brighton School, which is a school that does, um, they have an actual school and they also have a daycare um, for kids with disabilities. And you can call them, contact them, um, go to their website, um, fill out the form that's there to get, um, have that meeting to get your child an advocate. That is the one person that I, definitely one place I do know where you can get an advocate. I don't know anywhere else. Um, Francine is just like the information guru here in San Antonio with services dang near on everything. That's my go-to. So she's the one that actually had told me about Brighton 
And that's how I got a Santi's advocate. But I know, like I said, recently I did learn of the Medicaid does have free, um, free services. Other than that, it's kind of like a needle in the haystack on oh, wow. getting that. Cause I'm telling you before, when, once he got diagnosed, it was like, oh, he got autism spectrum disorder. And I'm like, wait, hold on. So where I go from here? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I've learned so much with, he needs this specialist. He needs this. He needs to go through this. Like now, because he's kind of preteenish, like now we're having to get ready to go through transitional services from this, this kid to the preteen. I probably ain't ready for it, but guess what? I'm not even put this girl draws on and get ready for this wonderful thing because now these little girls is thinking my son is handsome and want to put their lips on them. Uh. <laughs> What's wrong with that? They need to keep their nasty little lips to themselves. Uh. <laughs> How you know they lips nasty? Anyway. His mama said they nasty. <laughs> she said what she said. <laughs> you heard me. Keep your lips to yourself. Man, I was like, what? Man, I say, I wasn't even ready when I got that bit of information. <laughs> and I had to hear it twice because his teacher called me and he's like, um, so I got something to tell you. And I'm like, and he's like, so this little girl has a crush on him. She be trying to sit next to lunch. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with the sitting together next time I can do that. And then he was like, and she kissed him. I said, what? <laughs> she did tell that pissy tail girl to keep her lips <laughs> And I'm not going to lie. This is language that I learned from my grandmother because when she, she used to consider girls being fast, all the all the all the girls in the family are fast. We couldn't have not even been doing a damn thing. But all the girls was fast, so she called us pissy tail ass little girls or fast ass little girls. I was four. I don't know how I got to that title, but hey, it's what it is. But yeah, but I, I'm like, um we're not gonna be doing that. Then it happened again, and she tried to kiss my baby on the lips. I'm like, look here. So we're going to have to have a little talk with Jesus. Y'all going to either have to talk to the little girl mama or I'm going to have to talk to somebody mama. But I'm going to need her to keep her lips to herself. Like, I don't know. Y'all nine and ten. Like, what is you doing? Like, why is you kissing on people? And I don't know how y'all keep your lips to yourself. So I I talked to his autism counselor because he has that too. Um, she was like, Hey, we have this program, transitional therapy. And I'm like, What in the hell is this? Because these is new things to me. And she's like, It helps with this type of stuff, the changes in bodies, and and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like I said, I'll tell anybody yeah, with being having a child with disability, it ain't no bump. So I'm like, oh. Okay, so I'm gonna have somebody else on this team that I got associated <laughs> with. That's why I ain't gonna lie. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, who? So you number twenty four? 
on the list. Okay. Yeah. So, like I say, I never tell nobody it's easy or it's a cakewalk. It ain't because I'll be tired. I ain't lying. But my job as his parent is to do whatever I can for him because I want him to be a fully functional adult. I don't want him to be a burden on anybody. If the good Lord take me up out of here, and I hope he don't take me for a long, 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 long time because I got a child to make sure he gets up. So, yeah. But, so, yes. Yes, sir. That's, uh, that, but like I said, an advocate is definitely a plus. I suggest anybody, especially if you don't know the so, Texas laws or don't understand, I highly suggest an advocate because also what I learned from another special ed person is that the school has a meeting before they have the meeting with the parent. They already have everything outlined on how they're gonna operate and what they're gonna do. So when y'all in this meeting, they playing stupid, like they don't know what's what. <laughs> but they know wow. what it's gonna be. Yeah, and this was a shout out to my sister-in-law for telling me. This was like a no-brainer. I had no knowledge till she told me, and I said, what? But they be sitting wow. there like, they really looking through the paperwork. Well, I'm here. <laughs> such and, such. and I'm like, okay. And then turn around and look, and then. They already got a plan. They, they, they already had a game plan. But see, when you have an advocate, that advocate throws a monkey wrench in that game plan. And he's like, mm. hold on. Nope, that's not what we doing. This is what we're proposing. So when I tell you, when they see him, they know I will not have an IEP without him. If it don't match up with his schedule, we're going to postpone it because I'm not having an IEP with y'all. Y'all got me that one time when y'all held him back that year. I refuse to have another IEP meeting without him. So that's one of those key things. When they see him, they be like, Every time he asks a question or throw something, they they you can tell they cuss me. Like, that that makes me proud. <laughs> what they don't know is we doing this on the other end. <laughs> so we 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 side talking. He was like, So mom, what you want to do? Wanna do this, this, this? Because this is what show options are. It's another thing. They tell you options. You have this option, this option, or we can wait, reconvene after we get this. Bam. Because honestly, all the testing that we just got done in May, we had him fully tested for everything. Everything on speech, cognitive, everything. We got him tested. Everything at the school's expense. Another, another June. At the school's expense, we got him tested for everything. You got him tested outside of like the school diagnostics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be the one to say it, but I we definitely just did a training where it's like if you're not happy with their that part, happy with it, they they can get outside tests. Yes, yes, at the school's expense. Yeah. So you can get them tested through the school and then you can go outside of school at the school's expense and get them tested if you're not okay with that with the what what with the test results. Yeah. So not to be happy with them too. I can tell you that now. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of them, it, like when I test some of these kids, I'm like, it's not meant for them to pass these. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's that's why so many of them. Yeah. So definitely advocate. Definitely. But I also tell you to Google advocates in your in your area. But like I said, I know that is one of the issues that a lot of 
the parents in the groups that I'm in struggle with is finding an advocate because the schools is they ain't letting up and they full of crap trying to tell them what they can't do for the kid and it's a lie. Mm. So definitely, um, definitely find it. And sometimes I'm not gonna lie, the insurance don't usually cover advocates, so you are paying out of pocket. The highest I've heard for a price for an advocate is three hundred dollars. Let me just say, I can say that I, I know I can only speak for myself as a therapist, but I definitely try to have my kids' best interest in mind. And I will say a lot of the times with things getting backed up on the timeline, it's also because we're expected to see 50 kids a week, twice a week. We're expected to do all the paperwork. We're expected to catch up on um, being all of the meetings and everything. So it is very easy for stuff to get backed up. Yeah. So, and that's why I do try and tell, like, you know, when, like, if I've had parents be like, "Oh, why is this taking so long?" and it's like, "I've got this stack of stack of stuff already." So it's not always intentional why things get backed up or messed up or things like that. But it, it, I have a lot going on for the most part, and I know a lot of other therapists do too. Now, I know some shady stuff happens as well. I definitely wouldn't deny that. I don't participate in anything, but it's it's still definitely best to to have an advocate if you need it. Definitely. Okay, what's your mm. one last question, sir? Because you said you had one last question. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's a basically um it's for both of y'all actually. Uh, if you were <laughs> queen of the world for a day, when it comes to these things that we talked about, what would you change? And what would you keep the same? Ooh. I know for me, I would. It's it's the specifically for where I am. It's the poverty and like the low income because I think like a lot of times when you remove like the financial burdens that like a lot of these kids are dealing with at home, then that's when they have parents who are more readily available who can help them get the services and they're not worrying about things like eating or coats and stuff like that. Like a lot of that stuff is technically where like you know. Why is reading important to a child if they don't have a meal? And that's just the reality a lot of them face. You know, like I'm grateful for the parents that I work with who are very much like, what can you give me to help them at home and who are willing to do the carryover? But there are some that they just aren't in the position to be able to do that. And a lot of it is because they're trying to survive. Yeah. So that that's definitely what I would and it, it's hard working in the school system because you see so much of it and then being an empath on top of all of that it's like you want to save all these kids but it's like right. you know but it's it's because a lot of times the education isn't the most important thing that they're dealing with especially during covid i've seen people say they have like they have like 17 and 18 year olds who they weren't coming to class because now they have to work because they're of age to be able to do it so yeah. a lot of these kids they're just living lives that are hard. Hmm. So basically, like they're surviving. Like we said earlier, they're surviving. They're trying to just make it from day to day. Okay. Yeah, and I, I would say even something as simple as just like uh, Kenya as well, um, because I know, um, as me being a single parent and me doing it by myself, I'd be like, "Oh Lord, I need a clone, Jesus." Like, <laughs> you clone me so this person can take care of this this person can take care of this this person can take care of that i know they feel like a lot of times that parents um single mothers get so many benefits Lies. 
That ain't that ain't what it that ain't what it is. I don't I don't I don't get food stamps. I'm thankful to just be able to get Medicaid for him because without my with my job not providing insurance, he wouldn't be able to get any other services that he get. And I'm just being hey, hundred percent. Even if I was at the job that I was before, um I'd probably be paying a good penny out of pocket, which I was before he you know, did get Medicaid because he was on my work insurance. We was in the doctor's office quite a bit. I, I pretty much hit my stuff every year. <laughs> so those are my nine money shelled out. Um I would like um who there's so much. Jesus. I would like for mothers that are, and I'm going to really specify mothers that are mothers not the mother that's sitting at home with the boyfriend she don't want to work and she is getting the services mothers that are active mothers that are definitely in the trenches doing what they need to do for their kids and trying to survive i would like to see more resources for us real talk you hear about the person here she's getting wicked she's getting that Okay, when you have this mother that it can't work a full-time job because she's the drop-off, she's the pickup, she's the person that takes the child to the doctor's appointments, to the therapy, to this and this, I would like more resources. Give me resources to that are, are flexible because every situation is not flexible. Like for me, I have to just find a job that's flexible with my son's schedule. And now that job is actually becoming non-flexible. So to a point, my back is against the wall to where I'm finna have to choose. Am I finna not take my son to this appointment because of something small as small finances? Or am I finna to miss this appointment and get CPS in my life? I shouldn't have to make those choices because I'm a parent taking care of my child. But this is where the, currently, this is where I am in my life. So as that, I, some flexibility. Have jobs for parents, for parents with children with disabilities. I don't care if I have to work, I work at home and do something and take that break to go do this as long as the job is getting done have some resources for that because currently from what i know there is none because i've asked and there is none and it's not that parents with child children with disabilities don't want to work it's fucking hard as hell finding a job with some form of flexibility when you have to go pick your child up you shouldn't have to worry about okay if i gotta go pick my child up from school because he's sick or he's having a bad day and losing my job and feeding this child and clothing this child and providing the roof. I shouldn't have to make that tough choice because you know, school call and you don't pick them up, CPS is going to be all in your damn life. And I, I know two people. I said, two people. She, um, she's actually applied for a couple jobs at the school because she wanted to be closer to her child in his classroom. And she had been applying for jobs at the school too for that very reason. And I did that too. I, I did apply. But the funny thing is, because I'm so active, because I also volunteer at the school, 
So that was my other part to be in the school as well as I became a volunteer. So I can. Bye. <laughs> I've, done that, I've done that for every year. This is the first year that I, I volunteered, put my signed up for it, but COVID is very limited with stuff. Right. So I'm not, we're not able to be in the schools and stuff like we were. But for, yeah, once I peeped game on that, I started doing being a parent volunteer. Um, but I did apply to the school, but because I'm so active and I'm also considered that kind of problem parent because I will pick up the phone and do this or have that meeting, they didn't want me working in that love. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So I, I would say I were providing flexible jobs for parents. It ain't like we don't want to work. It's just that there's really little to no flexibility. I couldn't go into corporate and be the parent that I need to be to him to make sure he's getting speech, make sure he goes to the therapist, make sure he, it, there's no way. Because you can't have phones, especially work pharmacy tech. You can't have no phone. You're not supposed to have a phone on the floor because there's personal information. So if a phone call missed, I just missed that call until I got, you know, until I went on break. Then depending on what that is, you know, a lot of places, daycares included, give you 30 to 30 minutes to an hour to pick your child up if they call before they call. Yeah. The so okay. I got a whole certification and could be making better money in a better situation. But because corporate is not friendly okay. of you having a child with a disability. That's why I'm not doing pharmacy tech work right now. Mm -hmm. okay. So yeah, but that would that would definitely be my thing: flexibility for parents with disabilities. I mean, when you get the parents involved, you definitely see the difference. Like when you have parents who are able to be involved, it's Man. because it's such a team thing. It's like it's. Every everybody needs the peace, and then it's just like if I'm working on these things with this child in school, it is so much more helpful when the parent is also willing to work with these same things outside of the school and things like even like with like the devices. A lot of times, the kids the only time that they use those things, the only time it's implemented is when they're in speech. But it's like they're not gonna get it until they're until they're using it at home or they're using it in the classroom. So it's really like a joint effort across the board. Everybody has to, you know, help or put it do their play their part in it. Yeah. And it's repetition. Mm -hmm. you yes. Have, you have it's rep, like they said, repetition is the key. You yeah. have to it's repetition. You mm -hmm. keep doing it, keep doing it, they eventually catch they're on. Gonna get it. Yeah. They catch on and get it. But it, like you said. And that's less than 30 minutes, once or twice a week, if yeah. that's the only time, it's not beneficial for them. Yeah. They have to get it at home as well. Mm -hmm. And in the classroom. But a lot of people don't have the patience that like I as a speech therapist or an occupational therapist or like even you as a parent, a lot of people don't have that kind of patience to wait. But this is literally how they communicate. Like yeah. it's literally a matter of, how they're going to be able to be a productive member of society. Yeah, very very much. Very much. And that's why when we was having the conversation and I was telling you um, the device that I'm working on getting him next, which also helps with speech therapy, um, that the school speech therapist will be able to teach speech through that as well. And now since we got approved, 
I'm going to see if we can pull this other speech person in as well to just do a joint force with what he needs through this device because I'm, I'm going through hell and high water to get this damn device. And all this damn paperwork. You don't get things out easily. Jump, jump over this roof and this fence and everything else. And I'm like, okay, I won't lie. Sometimes it gets frustrating as hell when you have to do the paperwork, this email, this and send this, sign this, this and this. But at the end, when you start seeing things come together and it starts to become a rewarding, yeah, like, okay, yeah. The, it, my my work is not in vain, yeah. Um, and and it's just that staying power of doing that because this I feel like this is really just gonna take him up a few a few notches because it'll be customized to him as well. Mm-hmm. So and it it'll fall with everything. You know the math, the English, like it's so many different things on this thing. This thing, this device is bananas, and I was like, "Oh yes, gotta get it." So, I mean, hey, it is hard. I ain't lying because, like I said, I'm doing it by myself, and I'd be like, "Oh Lord, I need a clone." Can I definitely say though? Also to that question, I would definitely say like I would make the process easier. Just like it, like to me, it shouldn't be so difficult. Like. Even like the evaluations we have to give them and just the time it takes to even qualify them for services and not just speech, just for like any of the services. Like a lot of times you're looking at children who obviously that's what they need, but because there's so many, well, let's look at this, let's do this. Like, let's try this in the classroom first. All those kind of things like can hinder, I mean, slow down the process. Yeah, it does. And even with like the Medicare, like the paperwork, like even for outside speech, like it, it shouldn't be so difficult and time consuming. But I, I honestly feel like they give those, they make it so hard because to kind of cut down on the amount of people who are going to actually do it. I know like with the food stamp application, the one in Georgia, like you literally have to either mail this 12 page application Baby. or <laughs> you have to mail it or take it. And it's just like, if you just trying to eat, like, what, what the hell? It, it's crazy. You, and you know what? You just get to the point. You're like, no, fuck this. We yeah, fuck it. Like, I'll just, I'll figure out something else. I will. We're going to eat beans every day. Beans, beans, beans. <laughs> but, you're, but you're right. The For the people that need it, I see so many people that get denied services when they need it and it has been them people that's chilling at home don't want to work got 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 little ray ray sitting at the house they cut it all up that's just like with child care why well, gotta be little ray ray though like I'm, 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 <laughs> big ray ray excuse me because he probably little ray ray my fault but yeah. it's like why they sitting at home and got full daycare services Mm-hmm. You got this mother, single mother out here with a, with a job, busting mm-hmm. her butt. Maybe she got two or three kids, but she's still paying $300 services when old chick's sitting at the house and ain't paying nothing. But she ain't got no job and ain't trying to do nothing. She mm-hmm. registered for school because you got to look like you doing something, but she ain't been to school and they ain't checked back on it. But she getting services, free services. Yep. Bitch, what? Yep. I that I would definitely that that's definitely something I would change. It's just the process of getting help because it it all affects you. It all affects you. It, it does. And I even add on that quality childcare, yep. even for kids with disabilities, because that right there, baby, that's a whole nother or 
deal yeah. is finding service child care services for your child with a disability because even though daycares are not supposed to refuse them they do yeah and then you worried about them being abused mm -hmm. so that there's man i'm baby i pulled my hair out to the to the to the root last year trying to find a child care center um for to put him in just for the holidays when they were out Mm -hmm. Dude, that was a hug. My anxiety was like on 5,000. Mm -hmm. And then what you have to pay because you're not getting assistance. So what you have to pay for it, man. And for it to be clean and not have no write-ups on through child care licensing. And I have no craziness going on. Man, or the, the comments on Google. Yep. Baby. Yes. It's real out here. <laughs> Like, people don't even man say people don't even understand mm -hmm. how serious it like it's a constant stressor yeah. with making just to make sure that your child is good yeah. it is a constant stressor i can't imagine i've definitely sat in meetings and def i remember this one meeting when i was an assistant and the mom was like her child was in a self-contained classroom and she was just like the child was only like in fourth or fifth grade but she was already concerned about what was going to happen to the child when she turns 21 and ages out of like, it doesn't have like these supports or doesn't have like, cause they can keep them in the school system and keep them um, getting services and everything until they're 21. But mm -hmm. she's just like, what's going to happen? Like after yeah. that. It, a whole, I'm telling you, it's a whole, it's a constant stressor and fear and concern. Mm -hmm. And you, you worry. Okay. What if this, 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 okay. What's going to happen with this, this, this. Like I, I love his autism counselor because she is she is one of the most loving, but she is the realest person because she don't sugarcoat when she hit me with the so do you have power of attorney done? Do you have this in case you die? Do you have who's gonna take care of him? Who's gonna be over his stuff? And I'm like, huh? Gotta think about oh. it. And, and she let me know. So you just can't be like, oh, his sister gonna take him. It needs to be in paper. It, it needs to be in writing. Right. And they have this type, this type, this type, this type. So you need to pick this type on what's this, this. Like, baby, I was, I was like, ooh, I feel like I need like a whole lot of drinks. Like, <laughs> you have baby. to have people on those. Yeah. I was like, you're taking me too fast. Like, I was like, for real. So he just can't go to. She's like, no. If you don't have nothing in writing, he go to foster care. I've worked with kids for most of my work history. And foster care ain't what I want for my child. Definitely not a black boy mm -hmm. with a disability. That definitely is not what I want for my child. But it opened a whole door of realness. Hell, she gifted me <laughs> a like planner of basically, hey, if you die, this is what I want done. When I die, this is what I want done. And it was a Christmas present like two years ago, and it messed me the hell up because it was like reality just punched me in my damn face. <laughs> I wasn't ready. So, yeah. So, I think single moms need clothes because, oh, Jesus. But hey, it's real out in these trenches, and you can always tell who that parent is and who is not. Always gonna be your best voice for your child. Have to. 
out. Yeah, well shot. Yeah. Hmm. Did what? What's the hunt? You got? You found another question? <laughs> you got several questions, but I'm, I, I was promised that was gonna be my last one. So yeah, I, that's gonna be you my last one. Ask it if you have another question. She's no, okay. not really. Well, nope. like I, I'm gonna let you have it because she said she's okay with it. <laughs> it's, it's really not. It's a, more of a another, another uh, question. It's a question, but taking at the same time. If you for uh, one child with an um a disability what what would their team look like it depends on the disability also um mainly i can tell you the children that i yeah. see mm -hmm. at my school most of them like i said most of them are going to qualify for speech just based on the evaluations that they have those evaluations mm -hmm. are like for instance, I have, I just tested a six-year-old and testing like, showing him like pictures of different items. One of them was a newspaper. I'm 36, I couldn't tell you the last time I actually saw a newspaper. So to ask a six-year-old like, what is this? Why the hell would I expect him to say newspaper? Cause where has he seen a newspaper? But he's losing points because he can't identify a newspaper. Or the same thing with like, I have this other evaluation we use and you test like, can they tell like double meanings of words? So like glasses or glasses. One of them, one of the words was virus. Tell me two different types of virus. I've had two kids so far that I've given this test to and they have both told me COVID-19. But that's where they are. <laughs> so they're gonna lose points because they can't say a computer virus or, or like a sickness. So with that, most of them are going to get most of them are gonna get um, interrelated or like special education services or autism services or whatever it is, and then speech. And then a lot of them also will get occupational health if they have vision impairments, hearing impairments, but typically it's whatever it is, special education services, and then also they'll get speech outside of that. Okay, so are you wanting who would be on the considered being on a team for school wise, or who would possibly be on a team all the way around? You're muted. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> muted. I was like, wait a minute. I had a whole conversation. I didn't know. <laughs> I was in <laughs> ah, um, just in general, like all the way around. But that's why I'm like in school wise or just in I guess I'm gonna say school wise versus life wise. Damn, I didn't even think of that. So so because two school wise See that's why I didn't want to ask the damn question because we're gonna go down another rabbit hole. You asked a, a two-sided question because if we're talking well, about shit, speech, I don't know it definitely depends on about me. speech. You're looking yeah. at all their teachers, mm -hmm. the principal. Yeah, the special ed person. Yeah, the so just so then just do um just do school wise then. Okay, school. And I'm that's what I'm giving you. School psychiatrist. Yeah, you have the um a speech therapist that is on there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, because he has an advocate, there's also an advocate. So that's why I said depending on what we're looking at, just with school there's like 15 people that are on right now of course since you know COVID, we're doing zoom so there's 15 people on this call to do this iep 
That's crazy. That's a lot. So, so that's just school. So then, then if it's at home. Okay. So, hmm. then you got so it, it, it goes into my closing. Yeah, my closing comment then. So my closing comment is on point. It's it's a it, honestly when they go back to say it takes a village. Bam! That's what I, that's my closing comment. It, it takes a village, so, but the thing is, the village is real scarce. Yeah, is the the village like? It, it, I think it's, it's scarce. Very, very because scarce. Of the, I think it's scarce because of the lack of knowledge for one, and the lack of uh, financial backing for two. necessarily say that because a village don't have to even be on the financial part when you come on with family but if the family don't know then that's the blind leading the blind y'all be going in a circle pause pause because i can tell you this on my level when i when i'm in these groups with these other mothers and it's just not mothers there are some fathers in there also that are single parents that are doing this by themselves the first thing that they say is the lack of support yeah. they don't have a support system so when they start talking about self-care how you gonna do self-care you don't have a support system you don't have nobody that you can trust your child to watch your child for a few hours and a lot of times they'll tell you um god i can't even think of the name of this program and it starts with a r oh rest care They'll be like, oh, okay, say maybe the insurance may um, allot you rest care. And rest care is when they send someone that's close, kind of like a nurse or something, caregiver. That oh, this is that respite thing? Yeah, respite. That's it. Yeah. Um, for somebody to come in certain times of a week to either watch your kid while you go to the grocery store. So I'm like, first, everybody doesn't qualify for that. I know even with Asante, he only acquired, uh, he only was able to get eight hours out of a month. What in the middle book are you going to do with eight hours? <laughs> For a month. Now, like with him, he don't like going to the grocery store and stuff because of COVID. I know this already. So there's no way I'm feeling when I, when I go to the store, I'll bring him home. If somebody else is here, hey, can you watch him right quick while I run to the store? Right quick while I run to the store. Because I know he don't like going to the grocery store. That's an anxiety also triggered for him because he's scared of shit to get COVID. Plain and simple. So I'm not going to do that. But if there's a parent that has their own, their parents in these groups that have their own medical issues, leukemia just different cancers mental health issues when you have them and you even try to go to the appointment for yourself because a lot of doctors office are not letting more than one person in unless you have a child under 18. Mm -hmm. who are you gonna leave your kid with because i've been wanting to get away myself for the weekend who in the horse hell am i gonna leave my kid with believe me this is my biggest issue who's responsible enough to take care of my son yeah i have to go get me some self-care i have a third he's in third grade now and he is he had like shaken baby syndrome and his teacher was telling me they have to 
they they really he's he's the friendliest little child but the thing is is that now he's like running up to people he's like kissing them on the hand he wants to hug everybody like he's very touchy-feely and so his teacher was like now they've been like they've been trying to tell him like no you only hug family you know just give people like wave to them and they're like because his aunt adopted him when he was like eight months old but she had just retired and she also takes care of her mother so now she has him who's a handful and then also taking care of her mother she's like she can't even go to walmart in peace because he's running up to strangers you know he's running up to strangers and giving them hugs kisses all that kind of stuff and she's just like it's just such a a thing to like take him but then also like i look at a child like that and i love him to death but I wouldn't trust somebody else to watch him, like if I was his parent either. So I get it. And it's just like, do I want to go crazy in Walmart and just take him, but know that I can keep my eye on this child or, you know, hope that I can leave him with somebody else. And then maybe, hopefully they won't like do anything to him. Yeah. Or you do go and you're doing like this every five minutes. You all right? Yeah. Because everybody don't parent like you. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, yeah, I, I ain't went nowhere in a mighty long time. I, I mean, look, DW, I ain't been nowhere since Corpus. <laughs> That's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> but when I think about it, I'm like, like I said, who can I leave him with? Well, I ain't on the phone the whole time checking on him. Hey, where you at? You all right? Did you eat? Did you? It's it just not worth it. Like, well, I guess we're on the trip together. So, yeah. So, again, when you look around that village, that village scarce than a mug. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And, I again, and I will also say for the other comment that you made, that when you say it may be fear or lack of resources. So, with... Uh, Asante being on an autism program, they provide free classes. And you can say, hey, there's a class on autism. It's free. They feed you. (laughs) And nobody wants to go. Because remember, Autism, the autism episode, I nicely said, I be in there by myself. I am the only single mother, the only black mother. Well, the they get, the white people get their resources. Maybe. They be in there. <laughs> they got their boo. Yep. They got their <laughs> grandma, grandpa, grandma on oxygen. But she's it. sitting in that classroom. Yep. To get it. We don't. But I'm not. I'm. I promise to God, I can't make it up. I'd be the only black person in these classes, and I'd be sitting there like. So how can we destigmatize and encourage this, that type of behavior? Like, it should be. I don't give. I mean, I understand Earl and and Ray Ray might be temporary, but it should be Granny. It should be not Nay Nay. It should be the brother sister, so everybody can understand. Well, first of all, they have to believe that it's an actual thing because a lot of people, like a lot of older, like a lot of like older black people or like old school black people, 
they think it's just a matter of the child just doesn't listen or the child just they're doing what they want to do. That's the first problem. They need his ass whooped. They yeah, they don't have an understanding of like especially with like ADHD. It's literally you like your your frontal lobe is underdeveloped. That's why things like executive functioning, memory, impulse control, and things like that, mm-hmm. you cannot beat that kind of stuff out of a child. Mm-hmm. But we take the wrong approach to a lot of things, and it's just been ingrained in us for so long, and it just keeps yeah. getting passed down. And that's why we do mm-hmm. things like ADHD, autism, oppositional defiant disorder. That's Man. why all of those are things that can just be, you know, changed by physical punishment, mental not health. Changed. It's, it's literally not true exactly yeah mm. so and not only that they gotta want they gotta take an interest of wanting to learn exactly and I, and I will say this i give kudos to my daughter um her as well as my niece because they went to the classes with me my son-in-law which i call him my son-in-law he's my daughter's boyfriend he reached out to me a couple of months back and he was like hey mom i'm interested in taking these classes Nate told me about him. What do I need to do? And I was like, no problem. Let me go ahead and call his counselor. Let him know you're interested. And the next the next class they had, of course, it was in Zoom instead of in class. But he took the classes himself because he had an interest to learn about Asante because he does be around Asante. That's all it takes. There's some interest, especially when it's free and they feed you dog like. <laughs> you you come on it's six classes they go everything from their eating habits them being picky because i know i was told before no when, when you was little i used to make you y'all set your ass down and ate if you didn't eat what was there then you wasn't hungry so when he started having the 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 palate where he don't eat everything yep he better eat it he gonna get a whooping no yep. no he's <laughs> not he don't eat that. And I and I ain't gonna lie, sometimes I get ticked off too. Because right now he's going, I don't know if it's the weather, he's going through a transitional period. First, he didn't want them pizza rolls. But I went to Sam stocked up on the pizza rolls, but you know, we still having shortages right I'm buying it. Get this, get this box. Then next thing I know, well, guess what? He don't like pizza rolls no more. Mm-hmm. But they still in the freezer, but he don't like them no more. Now he like this, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, by the time he started liking them, I didn't threw that box in the trash like the week before or whatever because they didn't expire. But now he like them again, and I'm like, we struggle. A lot of people they struggle with meeting meeting the children where they are because and until we get there, we're not gonna be in a place where we can look into the resources because we have a set in our mind that this child is just like this, and it's like no, they're they're just wired a little different. They are. And they are. Have, with them they know what they like they and that's one thing they're very honest they know what they like and they know what they want so he does he switched and he flips but he's had so many positives lately um he's trying new stuff that he normally wouldn't try he's liking blueberry pancakes and i'm like i need blueberry pancakes. <laughs> but he like them and i'm like okay so guess what my hustle is okay you like them let me go ahead and go buy a couple of boxes because I can go today and they don't have none because stuff is still kind of scarce yes. it around here. So when I get them, I'm fine. I'm going to go buy three, four boxes because that's something I don't want to run out. I don't want to run off what he likes. 
because that's what he's liking. And if it ain't there, he mm, no, no, no. and I'll be like, well, God, okay. <laughs> so like it's funny because he loves the like the little the Kool-Aid, I think they're Kool-Aid jammers in the little bottles, the six pack. All of a sudden they want to try, want to try to discontinue them. Man, you should have seen me in the stove. <laughs> and I got like 50 packs of Kool-Aid jammers and the people looking at me like, <laughs> like this, did you say something for somebody else? No, y'all didn't say no chips and nothing else for nobody else. And this is all my baby is drinking. And no, I don't get food stamps. So I'm getting whatever the hell I see right now. Because I'm like, we, we, if that, that change where we find finna be short on stuff. It's coming back around again. They're already expecting it. You already got food limits. You can only get two packs of chicken. Yeah. You can only get two packs of this. Or, you know, so those changes are happening. I'm trying to make sure my baby is straight. So, yeah. Then went the next day, got another damn load full of that. And I see something. I'm like, shit, let me get these. Because he don't like the, he don't like the great ones. He like these in the tropical pun. So, I, I yeah, I got them. <laughs> I love stash because I'm trying to make sure he's good. I know how you know. I know he eats, he eats real food too, but you know he he like his pork chops. But shoot, y'all got a cap on damn pork chops and stuff too. So you know, I'm trying to get what I can keep and get what I can get. So if we get to that point where we snow it happens like again, like they're expecting us to have a hard winter, or whatever. That I can have some stuff that he likes because we know they don't like it. They're not gonna eat it. They won't. Now they'll be looking at you like, yeah, I don't like that. Uh-huh. Can't have my baby going hungry, so I gotta get what I can get. Yeah, I just evaluated a baby, and the mom, both of the moms were like, he really only drinks insurance. That's the only reason why, like, he can keep his weight up because he won't eat anything else. Yeah. When we went to one of them autism meetings, that lady said that her child only eats chicken nuggets. They can oh, get her teeth. She well, they was like, she won't eat nothing else. Ooh, I've heard that one a lot. <laughs> so I'm like, no. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have definitely have gone through that. Um, We're going to go ahead and really close out because it's like, ooh, this thing went into two hours. <laughs> but the good conversations, it just be what it is. You know, good stuff. And we can have those conversations. So, yeah. So. Um, I, I'll leave it to you. Do you have an outro? Anything you want to say? Oh no, I'm just glad. I'm just grateful that you asked me to be here. Like, I've seen you on the, on uh, another podcast, and I was like, oh, I gotta, ha- I gotta get her on. And it was so funny because I went into stalker mode. Like I googled you. Know, <laughs> you got me on Pinterest. I was like, what? <laughs> them I was like I didn't turn into a damn star Pinterest they was like on Pinterest I was like on Pinterest I literally like never look at like messages on Pinterest and I just happened to see that was I was like what (laughs) but I'm grateful like this is my first year doing this this is my first year being an SLP I just graduated in May but I absolutely love it but I love like sharing what I do, even though like I'm, I'm still new to this. I love sharing this because I want more 
SLPs that look like me, you know, we want more black therapists. We just like, we need black male teachers, all that kind of stuff. The representation matters, the the ability to connect with them, it matters. So I enjoy sharing. And like I said, a lot of people don't know exactly what it is that we do. Yeah. So I, I enjoy taking as introverted as I am. I damn sure didn't. I ain't gonna lie to you. Huh? I said, I damn sure didn't. I said, I'm not even gonna lie to you. A lot of people that and the thing is that this was mainly just about what we do in the school system. So there's still like private practice and like the nurse, like the medical side and everything. So yeah, it's so hopefully like some people hear this and be like, they want to be an SLP because we definitely need them. So definitely, definitely. we definitely need people who care about the children that we work with in the school system too. So definitely. I'm always happy to share. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, DW, your outro, sir. Yeah, um, we kind of hit on it earlier because, like, the more I listen, the more like we have these type of conversations with specialists and stuff like that. The old adage of "it takes a village to raise a child" is more and more one apparent and two important. And like you said earlier, your your village may be different from somebody else's village. Um, you just have to get the right village around you to help you to help you build that child up. And it's, it can be a team effort. And as you can see, like you will meet people that you probably would never even think about or know about just, just from this journey. Mm-hmm. And for us as a community, that's what it's all about. That's what makes it, makes it amazing is the fact that you have, you have people in positions that can help you um, help you break curses, help you better your kids that look like you, that can understand the struggle and understand the plight, the fight, and all the frustrations that you have because they went through them too. And this is the reason why they're in those positions. So again, don't don't give up. Don't be secluded. Don't be on your island. Hey, open your doors and start building that building that village to to be successful, to to not only be successful for your kids. But your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. That's the way things change. And just, I mean, just know that, like, the support at the school, that's what we're here for. Like, that's literally what I get paychecks for is to make sure your child is having whatever communication needs they need filled in so that they can get the, they can get the information they need, they can share the information they need. That's what we're here for. And it's really just a matter of, you can't worry about what somebody says about special education. You can't worry about what they say if they don't believe autism is a thing, you know? You know it, and you are always gonna be your child's best advocate. So if you feel like something is wrong, talk to your doctor, like, ASAP. Like, do not wait, you know? Get whatever and speaking help of that, you. Yeah, and speaking of talking to your doctor, don't take the first the first diagnosis. Your opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That part. Definitely. That part. Yeah. Get two or three, and if they all the same, then okay. Yeah. yeah. No. And I had to fight with his doctor, and he had had his doctor since birth. And he was like, maybe it's the rest of the medical issues that he's had that caused him this delay. He he did he didn't he had a hard time accepting it to me. To me, that was that piece to the puzzle. I was like, now this 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 makes damn sense. Let's get it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I would definitely say as my outro is 
please do not be ashamed to get any assistance not even just not even just for your kids even for yourself because mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of parents that are struggling and have their own medical issues and are dealing with everything with their child as well. Please don't be ashamed. Get your help for yourself. Get your help for your child. Um, because once we're once we're gone, they still have to fend for themselves. Who are going to take care of them? If you already a single parent and you don't have a village and don't have nobody to help you, who you think are going to help them? Mm-hmm. And that's just being, that's just real. Granted, ain't normally something we want to hear, but it is, it's the real. So um, definitely just do your best as a parent. This is our responsibility as a child, as a parent to do everything that we can for our children. Um, So they just don't leave them as sitting ducks. You know, a lot of people we see are homeless and you know, some are mental health issues, some are drugs, but a lot of people is because they just, they were left as sitting ducks and they didn't have nobody. Somebody so just trying, to, mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, like I said, definitely um, it doesn't hurt to get them checked out, to get an opinion. Or a couple yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's about it. But yeah, definitely do that. Um, next week episode is seasonal depression. Baby, (laughs) we know what it is. We know it's hard for many people. But do we? That's the question. Like us as black people. Oh, well, never mind. Let me let me eat. (laughs) Meet my us as us as we wanna we wanna call us be be one hundred. Let's be one hundred, cause some of us, as that look like us, oh I'm, I, oh I'm alright, I'm just doing bad. But you drinking and smoking, smoking on everything you see. We're in just, denial about so many things. Like just call it what it is. Like be okay. Yeah, with okay. It, you know? I don't really care about labels. Like you call me fat. Like I, I'm fully aware of this, and I accept it and embrace it. You know. I don't know. So let me like, eat cookie. Exactly. You're not going to change until you accept what it is. And it's just right there. You know, like you said, you're masking all this other stuff with addictions and things like. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So we we going we gonna to let DW put on his mental health hat next week. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, I've been shit. Okay. Right now, my hat is so fucking cocked right now. Okay, between, <laughs> between life and my job. Oh, my God. Yeah, your job. I I, I salute both of you for the jobs that y'all do because neither one are easy by far. And I mean, they they as they are as real as you can get. Real talk. Even though y'all don't really do the same thing, but y'all do do the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things. And I I I, man, I take my hat off to y'all because I know. You busy, and I know what he did with, and he busy. And mental health is one of those big things that we do talk about because it's the the them you know them taboo things in our black community mm-hmm. we need to be talked about. And right now, I I told him the other week I was like, oh, our our, our outro for this season is gonna be seasonal health, you know, uh, seasonal depression because I'm seeing it down my timeline already. 
I'm, I'm seeing it, seeing it. See, people just never had an issue or said anything. Bam, here we go. I'm depressed, this, and this, and this, and that. And we know the holidays are rough for people yeah. for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So we we just definitely want to talk about it. So yeah, he gonna he gonna tip his hat a little bit next week. And then uh, one of my favorite guests that was on before Rocky will actually be on with us to talk about it because he's one of the people that was on my timeline. And he, you know, we all going through. So definitely we're going to have that conversation next week. And get it out there and hopefully somebody can hear it, accept it, and recognize it. So tune in. It's going to be some tear jerking. It's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. For real. So, yeah, that's what we're doing next week. So um, to everybody, thank y'all for tuning in. Kenya, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on tonight thank with you us. Thank for inviting me. Greatly appreciate it. <laughs> um, y'all tune in next week. And if y'all are interested in being a guest, hit us up, let us know. We'll bring you on and um, let's have a round table. Let's talk about it. No, we do. Let's get it. So on that note, we are out and see you next week. Hey. Appointed or chosen for this here time I don't want what you got, I only want what's mine yeah. This right here is for you that crossed the line All up in the club screaming, dip, she mighty fine Walking up to me, trying to cop a feel Whisper in my ear, talking about your million dollars Nah, that's cap, you got a million baby mamas And